does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Well, I hope we're on the air. Um, I think we are. Shout out to Landon. This- Shout out to Shay. Shout out to Mark Dykton in studio. Is this like the 89 World Series where Al Michaels, it's like, I don't know if we're on the air, and I'm not sure I care right now, right? We are on the Although air. I can care. hear you guys loud and clear. Okay. We are on the All air. Right. Well, Mark, what are you doing? <laughs> we're sitting here talking, and you're telling us you can't hear us, I and mean, then we're on the air. probably in now. sorrow, Jake, after what happened last night. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, the, ump's, the ump's really screwed us, I series. think. The umps really That's screwed it, us, man. The umps really screwed us. Marcus Stroman pitching like me in the month of July didn't. Yeah, not not great by him either. Not the uh, pitchers do I thought we'd night. get. Uh, dare I say, by the way, good morning to you on this the first day of August. And usually you think August dog days of summer. Dare I say it's and and trust me. I love being out here, and we are very fortunate to be sitting here basically on the practice field of the Indianapolis Colts, but it's a little bit of a chilly start this morning, even more than yesterday. Absolutely glorious sunrise, one of the more beautiful sunrises I've seen in a long time, but uh, we need a little warmth because it's a little chilly out here. It is a little crisp, to say the least, but much better than what we had last week. And dare I say this, Jake, and feel free to call me the kiss of death, the jinx, did Everyone behave last night on social media? Did uh, Was everything good? Did we get another chapter to the Jonathan Taylor saga? Or, or was yesterday maybe our first somewhat boring episode of Days of Our Lives, Colts edition here in 2023? I'm going to offer one bit of over-analysis to the contrary of what you speak. Okay. I'm nervous. Yesterday... I had asked the question. I'm like, will Jonathan Taylor be here today? And, you know, everyone's like, that's a good question. And then he was there. Someone posted a video last night on social media of Jonathan Taylor just out on the, on the field. Maybe it's power of suggestion, Kevin Bowen. Maybe it's power of suggestion. But he looked like a guy that was walking with a stiff back. I feel like the limp has gotten more noticeable over the five, four days that I've been out here. Do you think that's... <laughs> I mean, this is where we're at. Isn't this utterly ridiculous? Of like, course. this is what we're doing right now. But welcome to NFL training camp. I'm going to try to take a picture of the sunrise through the lens of my sunglasses. Yeah, it wasn't above the goalpost yet, so I had to get it just underneath the goalpost. It is a beautiful day. Uh, it's supposed to be a beautiful week, really. All week long here at Grand Park. And practice number five for the Colts coming up at 10 a.m. We will update you on the Anthony Richardson situation uh, as the news cycle, I guess, allows us here. Yesterday, the Colts released that infra- information around 8.30. So we'll see if Richardson gives it a go today. He was present and observing yesterday. And Shane Steichen acted like he would go today, and a worst-case scenario, it would be a return date of Thursday for him. But as expected, Gardner Minshew took the heavy, or all of them, I should say, all of the first-team reps at Monday's practice. A whole lot to get into today. I mean, obviously, there is a couple of Jonathan Taylor-related items I think we should touch on. You did have your first, I think noticeable impactful injury of camp yesterday for the Colts so we will touch on that EJ Speed by the way is going to join us coming up 
at 8 o'clock. That's Colts linebacker uh, heading into his fifth season. Uh, Jake, I'm not going to pretend that I was up by any means, but I did catch a few of the highlights. Uh, survive in advance for the U.S. Women's National Team. So you didn't get up at 3 o'clock in the morning? No, Maddie asked me if I was. I think if they would have kicked at 4, I would have thought about it. But part of me was kind of like, is this going to be a waste of time? Like, are they just going to win 3 nothing? Is this going to be... Uh, here I am watching the USA against Portugal, and it's the 37th minute, and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> that thought crossed my mind. So I decided to sleep. Uh, it sounded like there were some nervous moments. Portugal had a chance in stoppage time that hit off the post. If that goal goes in, the U.S. go home for the first. That would have been the first time they would have gone home in the history of the World Cup before the knockout stage. So, survive in advance. Uh, Nil-nil tie. They will now play. I think it's going to be either Sweden or Italy. I think in all likelihood it'll be Sweden, and that will be up on Sunday early in the morning. It sounds like around 5 a.m. That is the knockout stage. So, they advance to the Sweet 16, and now it's win or go home. So, my buddy that lives in Auckland, New Zealand, and he's a soccer official in New Zealand, Yesterday on our group text said, and I quote, I have to admit, I have World Cup fatigue. Really? Yeah, he said he's been to five matches, and he's like... Well, five's a lot. I know. <laughs> so I don't know like, if I've been to five soccer like, matches in my life. He's like, okay, all right, I think I'm good. Now, do they go to Australia for the knockout? Or are they just in New Zealand for the knockout? I would think you go to like somewhat of a... Yeah, bigger that's a stadium, good, yeah. I, I, locale, I don't... You know, I think the thing that's interesting, Kevin... Honestly, and I'm not even saying this flippantly, I think a lot of people just assume that us that like New Zealand's like right off the coast, you know, kind of like Cuba is to the United States or something. I think it's like a four-hour flight from really? New Zealand to Australia. Yeah, it's not as close as is. I mean, relatively speaking, it's obviously right next door, but uh, not as close as one would assume. By the way, I also want to mention, um, want to thank everybody that participated. We had a flurry of activity last night. Uh, a week from this weekend is obviously the IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader out at IMS. And I had mentioned, Kevin, that I put up for auction my spotter position. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To, yeah. to be able to come out. What's the update on that? Uh, well, it's we had to finish it yesterday because I have to submit the name for the credentials today. Um, so, Derek, I'm not going to say his last name because I think he, he said that his wife still hasn't found out yet. <laughs> uh, but Derek has uh, secured to be my spotter, and we raised uh, a little over $3,400 for Riley Hospital for children. So the cardio, the cardiological unit at Riley Children's Hospital, $3,400 going to them. How fitting that a Jake and Derek combo is happening again. Look at that. (laughs) I know. Not Derek Schultz, I can tell you that. How about my my sister-in-law is a nurse at Riley. I've always found this interesting. She is a nurse on the neurology and urology floor. Uh, Those two things I wouldn't think would go together. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, they sound alike, but what that's sure, worth. Well, I think, yeah, I mean, you know, ologies, I guess you could rhyme a whole lot of things on that end. But, yeah, shout out to Anna Lebers there. That's, that's awesome. And that's coming up. Refresh my memory. So Next this weekend. Sunday, are we back on the oval or are we on the road course? No, all road course. Still all on road the road course. course. Yes. Now, my anticipation is that sometime in the next few years, the Brickyard might return to the Oval. I, I don't know that for a fact, but I, I think it's been explored. But it's been pretty exciting on the road course, to be honest with you. So that's uh, that's We've next weekend. This weekend is Nashville. Tony Stewart coming up today? Is that Correct. right? Correct. Tony Stewart, who is 
you know, Tony Stewart now has crossed over into the NHRA ranks in terms of drag racing and is really good at it. His wife is obviously one of the top racers as well. The U.S. Nationals is coming up uh, about a month from now, Labor Day weekend, which is basically, I know this is kind of a cliche, but that's the Super Bowl or the Indy 500, if you will, for uh, NHRA. And Tony Stewart, to promote that, he's actually coming out to Colts camp today. So he's going to come out today. They've got an event. Oh, is he trying out at running back? That's right. He can probably play fullback, right? Uh, They have an event today where he's going to be out at, uh, I guess it's Lucas Oil Raceway now or... O'Reilly Raceway Park or IRP, whichever one it's known as now. I always forget. But um, he's doing media events. So if you want to have gotten racing, Kevin, you can no, sure. get in like a car. Like the 40-yard dash right here or actually in a car? In a car. 40-yard dash in a car, basically. Got it. You know? I think if I had an Indy car and he had a moped, I don't think I would win. <laughs> <laughs> or a that's, Razor scooter. If that's Tony probably Stewart right. Had that. Uh, good Tuesday morning to you. Again, it is a glorious start here at Grand Park. We'll be out here again on Thursday. These 10 a.m. practice times are going to shift a little bit. I believe Thursday is a 9 a.m. session. So when we start to look ahead to the next, you know, couple of weeks left here at Grand Park. Make sure you check your schedule if you're coming out. 10 a.m. has been the normal morning time. I think for the most part, those will now move to 9 a.m. here coming up in the next few weeks. Again, EJ Speed going to join us at 8. As Jake said, Tony Stewart coming up at 8.45. We'll have Joel A. Erickson from the Star at 9.30 as we get set for practice number 5. Jake, I think the biggest news item yesterday, non-Richardson division non-throwing Jonathan Taylor questions at Shane Steichen and hoping and praying he offers something more than a no comment. I would say one of the later plays yesterday in practice, Zach Moss, who had an extremely active day, as he really has throughout camp, considering he is the first-team running back right now, um, he gets caught up in a pile. Next thing you know, he's chucking his helmet. He's grabbing the right arm. And about a half hour to an hour after practice, it was reported a broken right arm for Zach Moss and his return date uh, is going to be about six weeks. So if you look at the calendar, six weeks from yesterday would be the Monday after the season opener. Uh, Should we look at a Deion Jackson, Evan Hall, week one starter at running back for the Colts? I I would say that's probably fair, right? I mean, you know, have we ruled out Taylor? No. I want to read you something along the lines of Taylor. Uh, we'll do it coming up in a little bit. But I got a really insightful, I thought, text message about the Ursay-Taylor situation. Uh, I don't rule out Taylor. I, I, I think I'm going to sound like an idiot. Mark is probably already cutting that into a promo, me saying that. But I'm going to sound like an idiot here. I think the bigger obstacle of Jonathan Taylor getting on the football field is not the contractual situation, but his health. Based off these limping videos? Just, yeah, and... and I, I, I just want to add, is there any sort of intel behind no, the no, scenes no, no, that no, you're getting no, from yeah, that? No, I want to no. make sure that we... I, I, just, I, I think the this is strictly, strictly, 1,000% nothing more than gut instinct and my gut's a little bigger than it used to be I feel like the standoff of his contract we are probably a little bit overblowing and the 
limitation physically were probably a little bit under blowing, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, the video yesterday, you can't tell anything from that, I realize, but the part of him coming in and saying that he had lower back issues and the, to the point of them doing MRIs on his back. Which that's he, he, he says is not true. I know, but that's extremely reliably. This was not from. It's been insinuated to me who the source is there for well, chapter holder. Right? Yeah, like it's not. This is not coming from like the mailman's, you know, next door neighbor. Um, and why would you make that up? Why would you make that up? When you see. It, it might just be a guy just the way he walks. I, I, I've never previously analyzed or studied the way Jonathan Taylor walks, admittedly. But he looked like a guy that was hobbled, quite frankly, yesterday walking around. You know, I, I almost apologize up front for getting to this he said, she said, where are we at on this? Someone, you know, a media colleague of mine brought up yesterday that they thought Ursay could have misheard, misinterpreted, and all of a sudden he wants to run with this story because – Whatever. Again, this is getting very played out in the public eye. And, and, you know, Taylor is an extremely smart individual. You would think that he would know the ramifications of publicly stating that this is not true. Um, And it sounds like it will be very difficult for the Colts to retroactively put him on the non-football injury list. Correct. And that would mean, again, non-football injury list would mean he suffered this injury due to an activity that is not related to the game of football. The ankle injury that he is on the pup list for, uh, that obviously happened last season while he was playing football. You get paid when you're on the pup list, so you don't get paid when you're on the non-football injury list. Those are the murkiness with all of that. Um, you know, a popular question I got yesterday, Jake, when Zach Moss went down, and again, it's going to be out for, it sounds like, around a month and a half was call up Dalvin Cook. I think we have to keep in mind here, why the hell would Dalvin Cook want to come here? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, everyone knows. Like, who who wants to Kevin. join this right now? If you're not going to pay running backs, if you're going to be a team that in all likelihood is not winning many games, why would you want to come here? Like everyone just thinks that with a snap of fingers, boom, Dalvin Cook's going to be the guy. If you're not going to pay Taylor, why all of a sudden are you going to pay Dalvin Cook? I would think if you're Dalvin Cook, you you are more thinking along the lines of, I, you know, I don't know who's a team that's like kind of feels like they're right on the cusp or could make a push with a good running back. Well, didn't he uh, didn't he visit the Jets over the weekend? Yeah, I mean, I mean the Jets, I think, I, I are think a potential playoff team. Like, I, I think, think league wide, Kevin, the Colts are seen as a team. That is literally starting from the bottom. Like, I know this is hard around here to grasp. And I don't even mean this as a knock because I think it's by the Colts' own blueprint. But I think it's hard around here for people to grasp that for the rest of the league, like if if we're two guys doing a sports talk radio show in Denver and we're talking about the Indianapolis Colts, I, I think they are seen as the way that, that the two of us in the NBA think of Oklahoma City or, you know, a team that, like, has young pieces, but they're trying to develop them and they're not in any way, shape, or form seen as a legitimate current playoff threat. Right now, the healthy running backs for the Colts, four names, Deion Jackson, 
rookie Evan Hall out of Northwestern, fifth-round pick there. Jake Funk. That, and you, you know, that's the, people ask why I have 70 colognes. It's to offset Jake Funk. Xavier Woods, who was a wideout at Maine and is now transitioned to being a running back here with the Colts. Funk with two NFL carries. Obviously, Hull and Woods as rookies with none. Deion Jackson has two NFL starts, Jake. 23 carries for 55 yards. That is a yard per carry of 2.4. Now, now wait, Jake Funk, where did he play collegiately? I believe Maryland. Okay. I think you would like Mrs. Funk. Really? Maybe a soon-to-be Mrs. Funk. I, I don't know if we're officially there yet, but that's my observation on Jake Funk. Okay. By the way, do I hear a train in the distance? Also, if you're going to... near a train track? If you're going to do the fantasy football in the preseason... I would draft Jake Funk for our really? degenerates out there. Doesn't he? I mean, that screams just like fourth quarter dude that's just going to – Matt Taylor's calling him a whole lot. I, I do kind of hear a train. That. I think what it is, Jake, is – do you come in off 191st? I do. They're doing a ton of work there across from the baseball stadiums. Okay, so like on the north construction side. that I'm hearing. I, I, I think that's what it is. Okay. I mean, I West like the, Fork whiskey, by the way, looks pretty nice. I'm not necessarily an early morning guy. I know that stuns people. So – I, like these are all still new sensations to me. The 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 scene of the sun coming up and the sound of like train in the distance. Yeah, when you go, that's what the most a, beautiful sunrise I've seen in a while. I thought to myself, how many sunrises have you seen? <laughs> like fifteen. <laughs> Typically, if the sun's coming the up, fifty years. Mark Dykton is is shutting the blinds. I've seen several sunrises where I've had to block it out because I'm going to bed. I'm not going to lie about that. Brandon goes, the possible Taylor's uh, playing off the back injury because his agent told him to play it off to help his name if he were put on the trade block. Like, you know, these questions, Jake, they sound so ridiculous, and yet I sit here and I have the same questions myself. Like, th- well, the problem le- is, this is legitimately where we're the at problem is, one though, week into this. Kevin, the problem is that the, the validity or the severity of a back injury increases the, albeit, minimal chance but increases the odds that the Colts could put him on the non-football injury list and thus prohibit him from getting paid when Zach Moss went down yesterday I thought to myself is this leverage for Taylor or is this leverage for the Colts both yeah because you could both because the Colts sit here and say that's why you don't pay running backs and yeah. Taylor sits here and says, that's why you need me. Yeah. I just read off the four names. Deion Jackson, Evan Hall, Jake Funk, and Xavier Woods. I am a little surprised that it is 720. We are, what, two and a half hours away, two hours and 42 minutes away from the Colts getting back on the practice field. I am a little surprised that they only have four running backs for today's practice. I thought for sure, just based off strictly from a you know body standpoint, they would add another one. So we'll obviously keep an eye on that. Again, we'll update you on Anthony Richardson when that news becomes available in his practice plan for today. Again, the nasal septum. I will say this, Jake, I was a bit confused. I asked Shane Steichen this yesterday, and I don't know if he misheard me or what. I was a bit confused why this nasal septum thing wasn't done before the start of camp. I would agree with that. Now, I, I, I asked him, I was like, did it get worse in the few days he was here? Like, did his breathing become uh, more difficult? 
But, I mean, he literally just missed a day of practice. He potentially might miss two. We have talked about it endlessly. I think reps are extremely precious and valuable. For Anthony Richardson, they just got back from a six-week summer vacation. Don't you think you could have got this done during I, I, the six weeks? It's very peculiar. And in addition to that, Kevin, uh, I've had various, you know, commentary from people on this. But for the most part, the handful of people yesterday that texted me, including a couple that I know pretty well, that have had that kind of a surgery, have said that while it is, it's invasive, obviously, but, you know, it, it wasn't like debilitating by any stretch, but it was extremely painful and a very touchy, like, stay clear area for like a week to two weeks. I mean, it, it's hard to think that one could have surgery on their the interior of their nose and two days later be out in a situation where they could get hit in the face. I mean, that's it seems like that would be one where, I don't know this. Very inadvertent, obviously, if that were to happen. Here. Yeah, of course. But, I mean, but again, I don't, I don't know this. But I do know, quite frankly, in high school, I knew a handful of people that had elective surgery on their nose and i mean they were like laid up for like a week with like a huge bandage over their face yeah i went back and looked i mean it's a pretty nerve intensive area i went back and looked at the picture of richardson i took on opening day of of camp so that would have been i guess last wednesday the first practice he had a very small little bandage on the right side of his nose I, I, i don't know if that had anything to do with it obviously at that point he hadn't had the surgery um, but as we sit here now through four practices with Gardner Minshew's heavy workload yesterday at the starters, he's got double the starting reps. 42 for Minshew, 21 for Richardson. And here's what's funny, Kevin. The reality is this. In 2023, you're probably a more competitive football team with Gardner Minshew as your quarterback. But it does you no good for 2024, 2025, and 2026. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's a debate at all. Uh, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, seven wins or four wins, who cares? Exactly. Yeah. I and, and totally agree. for Richardson, it's like you aren't breaking bad habits with him necessarily. I don't think he played enough to develop like a ton of bad habits. Yeah, you're trying to create good habits. At Florida. Though. A, you're trying to create that. But, Jake, you just want him to see things. You want him to see what an NFL defense looks like. You want him to see what the Bears are going to do here in a, in a, in a couple of weeks. You're just strictly trying to get him pure experience. That well, is exactly what you are literally taking him to the local school parking lot, and he is 14 or 15 years old, and you're saying drive around a little bit. Like You are trying to just get his feet wet, experience it all, see it all, that is what you are trying to do, and I think that's the bummer about him. Even missing one day is that yesterday uh, there went, you know, potentially whatever, a dozen reps where um, you just start stacking those together, and, you know, eventually you got a guy that's been pretty exposed to what life is like here in the NFL. By the way, Shannon has jury duty today. Really? Yeah. I've you think she'll get picked? I don't know if I should admit this. I've somehow kind of snuck my way out of that i've never been i i've gotten the card like three times yeah and then you got a call or whatever i've never been selected to actually go down she actually got the thing saying your group has been selected you must report now isn't the percentage very high like you get sent home by noon i would say i i, I told her i go well if you're getting like somehow sequestered just <laughs> let me know i'm I shocked don't... you didn't try to like change your last name for the day and go down instead of her <laughs> 
I, I would love. I'm telling you, like I don't even know. This probably weeds me out automatically. I would love to do jury duty. I, w- I, I think it'd be fascinating. I think but, I'm, uh, I'm I, in the same boat. I would like to do that too. I've never gotten selected or anything. Totally. I, the problem is this: I could see there being issues because I will be the foreman or the four person, whatever you want to call it. Like it, you're not going to be the guy in the jury duty. Net, was it Netflix series, Mark? Oh no! Oh, the, the, yeah. the Amazon it was on Prime. Apple. Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Yeah. Hilarious. The ego, the ego check for Jake to be like the alternate would be quite fascinating. Oh boy. That'd be humbling. That would be humbling. There that might be, a, be the most humbling moment. There of would life. quickly be a second trial. It's like yeah. buy one, get one free on the trials yeah. at jury duty. I, I think both the times, now that I think about it, I think one was COVID related. The other one, I think Max is like due in a couple weeks. Or I, I don't know. I, I, I probably should have been a little bit more respectful of my civic duty. I'm telling you, I, I think it'd be fascinating. My mom was selected for jury duty and went down, true story, uh, went down and there were two trials. Like you, you, you go in and you get, they, they, at that time at least, you, you go in and there were two different things that you could, two different trials that you could be selected for. And she was in fact sent home by noon or whatever it was. But one of the two trials was the Mike Tyson trial. Wow. The Mike Tyson rape trial, yeah. That would have been something. Yeah. Ron says this, not really a thought I had with Anthony Richardson. He goes, I wonder how health insurance works before contracts are signed. Richardson didn't put pen to paper until Tuesday, right? Oh, yeah. Now, having said that, I would like to think there could have been a footing of the bill for the nasal septum Uh, surgery between... How much money did Jim Ursa hand out to fans? I'm watching this little kid open the envelope on Saturday night. You know, Ursay's got you know his his cronies passing out these envelopes, and the kid opens it up. I don't know he's probably ten years old. Opens it up, and it's a picture of Ursay in a three point stance, full Colts uniform on, eye black on. Oh yeah, I I, I want to. It's one of his go to pictures. I feel like he loves he, like tweeting out. He sent me one of those, and it was signed. Yeah, I, so signed. So the, can I say one thing? And, and I'm curious. Okay, since you mentioned it, before we get to the morning checkdown coming up. And before we talk a lot more about the Colts on this, the first day of August, good morning to you. Can I say one thing that I I, I think is going to make me a bad guy? But I but I think more people might agree with me than than don't or than you would think. Are you ready, Kevin? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to preface with saying I, I absolutely know and understand and appreciate and respect that the heart is in the right place here. And I think it is very kind of Jim Ursay to hand out money. I mean, obviously, uh, gift horse in the mouth, 100%. But when you hand out $100 bills that you autograph, it, it comes off to me a little bit like uncomfortable. Like it's almost like you're saying to somebody, my autograph, well, I'm, gonna, I'm testing you. Which is more important to you, to have $100 or to have my autograph? Or here's $100, but you can't spend it because I signed it for you. I, it and there's just a little bit of like. So you can't spend it. Spend it if he signs it. But but I'm saying like what? You I don't know. Millionaires and billionaires. But, are weird. but you're handing out your autograph. But you're doing it on a $100 bill, which is basically saying like, here's my autograph. But like, are you really going to give it away? But, but more so this. This and ten-year-old I, kid looked pretty excited. Well, when he I, I get it. More bill. more so this. And don't get me wrong. I wouldn't turn the money bit down. I, don't get me wrong. But there is a part of me that's like, are, are there some people that like, when they really step back and think about it, that it's a little bit like gaudy to be like, I have so much money that I'm just handing out envelopes of it to anybody that that comes out. Like, I'm blessing you with 
showering you with my extra hundreds. That's the kind uh, of billionaire I want, though. The guy that's just like, here, I, I, everybody I has it. some. I, I get it. I mean, I just... I. I I have seen a lot of people that are like, yeah, man, you got enough money to do this, but why aren't you paying your running back? Well, that, yeah, that that's the low-hanging fruit. I mean, I guess it's better than Daniel Snyder. Again, I, I, I understand the generosity of it, and I applaud it. I just, there is part of me that's like, are, are there some people that think it's a little bit tawdry? That's sure, all. yeah, and I'm sure there is, but I think you would agree with us, Jake. The philanthropic nature of Jim Mercy, I think, is one of his greatest qualities. No question. And, and certainly does a lot behind the scenes from that endeavor. Uh, Colts cornerback, that has stood out here early in camp. It's not the name I think many of us expected or would have thought here. Shaquille Leonard also had a little bit of a change in his Workload. We'll chat about that from yesterday's practice recap. Again, EJ Speed, join us right here at Grand Park coming up at 8 o'clock. Tony Stewart, 845. Joel A. Erickson at 930. You're listening to Kevin Aquari. It is a beautiful Tuesday here in Westfield. 93.5107.5, The Fan. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Play the audio, Mark Dykton. Play it. <laughs> Don't look now, but here come the Red Legs. Mark, I noticed you that, haven't played the Reds' owner lately. That was very big of me, I thought. I- I'll play it. Don't worry. The-, the Cubs will get a couple wins here, and I'll play it tomorrow or Wednesday That was or very big of you. I- I- that was a nice, very reluctance. I could see your hand hovering over the button. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 6-5 last night. The Reds hold on to beat the Cubs. That's they an inch taller than I am. 6-1 lead. Uh, they are now up one and a half games in the Central, thanks to the Brewers losing to the Nationals. Mark, what a month for Marcus Stroman, and I don't say that in a positive light. Yeah, he was a Cy Young candidate and then uh, the all-star break happened and he has struggled mightily the last few uh, few games I think is the third straight game he's given up at least five earned runs so yeah not not the ideal uh, start especially with the trade deadline today at 6 p.m. so a little we'll activity for the Cubs a little mm-hmm. activity for yep. the Cubs yesterday the Reds with a reliever the Reds got a reliever from the Oakland Athletics should we be happy about that <laughs> well I think they said <laughs> we, we have Kevin Bowen here who's not only a Reds fan but also an ace fan we should probably yeah. you know Give How many save opportunities does an Oakland Athletics pitcher get out of the bullpen? Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I try to keep us down four. Save face opportunities if is what can. they get, right? Uh, quiet Monday, Major League Baseball, though. The final day of July of the Guardians lose to the Astros 7-3. Again, Reds and Cubs, it is a four-game series here from Wrigley. Trade deadline is at 6 p.m. Eastern. Is that it? I yes, think it is. correct. Tonight. So uh, that will obviously be the thing to watch for today in Major League Baseball. I uh, love you, Mark Dykton. Four two winners over the Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, Cute fellow yesterday. You keep on playing the audio, Mark. I, I agree with that. <laughs> uh, U.S. Women's National Team, the definition of survive and advance. Uh, 3 a.m. was their final match of the group stage earlier today. And what they had was almost going home. Portugal with a shot off the... Um, uh, what do you call it? The woodwork? Is that what the soccer aficionados say? Sure. Uh, off the frame in the 91st minute in stoppage time. That goes in. The U.S. doesn't score. Then they would have gone home. But it did not nil-nil tie with Portugal. That means the United States does advance. In all likelihood, they will now take on Sweden in the Sweet 16. It's That's winner go home Sweden. from here and Sweden. 5 a.m. on Sunday. Swedish fish or Swedish chef? Which one do you think of more, more frequently when it comes to I Sweden? I hate Swedish fish. fish so Swedish overrated. Chef. By the way, this guy is mowing the field. I talked to him yesterday about this. When we have him on for an interview. 
They just mowed yesterday. What's he doing today? Where's they this guy? mow and then they blow anything what? that is left on the field and get the dew off the field they, to try. They have a dry, sure. they have a jet dryer. I'm telling you. Yeah. So the mow is first and the jet dryer second. They have a t- they, they have a t-shirt that says mow and blow on it or something. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That'd be a pretty cool t-shirt actually. <laughs> there you Landon go. thought that was the funniest thing he's ever heard here. Yeah. Mark, your your seventh grade humor will serve well when well, you're out I'll, here. I'll do me. open mic at Colts camp next week. Next week, J- Jake, it's like a golf course. You got to mow it every day. Uh, really? One twisted ankle. Okay. By the yeah, way, next we week Mark Dykton will be out here because um, a week from tomorrow, I'm going to be at Wrigley Field. Oh, so you're doing the concert? I'm going to Bruce Springsteen at Wrigley Field. Nice. Yep. So. That's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate them letting me take the the day to do it. Um, I've just always wanted to see him. I'm not a huge Springsteen fan, truth be told. No, but day. Don't say that in front of Mike Chappell or some of these media. Well, I have a great appreciation for, you know, he supposedly puts on a great show, and he has obviously an impressive catalog of music. And I think as I've just gotten older, I've realized that you got to take advantage of seeing some things while you still have the chance. And I was like, i really like to see Springsteen. And he co- he goes to Columbus, Ohio, and then uh, which is a makeup date. But he's going to be in Wrigley a week from wins a week from tomorrow. And tickets were actually pretty affordable. I was surprised. And so I'm like, all right, I just want to do it. So Michael Weir, who's the lead singer of the Elect, which is the greatest local band, uh, we're heading up together. Yeah, I'd ask Go if Shannon is joining you, but she'll be stuck in jury duty for the next three months. <laughs> She's still going to be sequestered. Literally. Uh, all right, on the other side, we'll get more Jonathan Taylor related. Some comments yesterday about potentially how Taylor is treating people off the field. Uh, we'll explain more on the other side. EJ Speed, by the way, Colts linebacker, joins us in 20. 20- whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. A little Pee Wee Herman action here. Yep. Sad Paul news yesterday. yesterday. I, I was I was stunned. seventy years old. Did I see that correctly? To be fair, seventy years old is what stunned me. I, I couldn't believe that he was that old. It, listen, a, a brilliant actor and Pee Wee's Big Adventure. When that movie came out, I thought it was nonstop fun. I, I I just thought I watched that movie so many times when it came out. There were so many good scenes in it. I thought the Alamo sent a great tweet saying there's not a day that's passed that people haven't asked about the basement ever since that movie came out. Um, there are definitely, or were, definitely skeletons in the closet of Paul Rubens for sure that in the totality of talking about his legacy, you know, I, are, are fair to address. But in terms of his acting ability, I think he was underrated as an actor. Because people focus so much strictly on the comedic version of the portrayal of Pee Wee Herman. But when I saw that he was 70 years old, I was surprised by that. Yeah, I was surprised by that as well. Uh, Colts getting ready here for practice coming up number 5 at 10 a.m. today. We'll continue to update you uh, on the uh, Anthony Richardson situation 
and his availability for practice. Again, EJ Speed, Colts linebacker, going to join us in 15. Uh, Anthony uh, tweeted at us, Jake. I think several people have been curious about this. Did you catch any of the Pat McAfee comments yesterday related to what he has been hearing about Jonathan Taylor's actions behind the scenes? Yeah, uh, V asked me about that yesterday. Uh, apparently, Mac or you know McAfee basically was alleging that uh, Taylor and I would assume that he's talking about the training staff or you know just behind the scenes people, but that Taylor is accused of not treating people very well, right? Yeah, and you know frankly that's pretty disappointing to hear. Obviously, there are a ton of people here. We're looking out at some of them right now, Jake, that put in some insane hours to help these guys, and you know Taylor doesn't strike me as an individual that would do that. Uh, frankly, I could think of several players, and I mean, several is a little aggressive, but certainly a couple, and certainly some star-studded players that have done that. Um, so for him to have reached that level, and again, I don't know why McAfee would lie about that. I think he's certainly very plugged in. Hell, he was out here just last week. Um, that is disappointing to hear, because I think we all have been there in life, Jake, where we've seen greed change people. Now, the other question to ask would be this. Is it possible that McAfee was told that by somebody from the Colts' standpoint who was trying to posture against Jonathan Taylor? Boy, you would like to think if, if McAfee really got that from people from the athletic training staff or equipment staff or but could it be your... No, I get that, but could it be that someone above that said, hey, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but some of the some Gosh, of the people around here have been telling me this. I mean, are we, are we going to continue? When is someone going to stop treating this like a seventh-grade relationship? I, I get it. So, I mean, seriously, like, when are we going to get – and that's why part of me is like, let's hear from Chris Ballard again. I, I, I'm not expecting it. We heard from Ballard a week ago. But at some point, we've got to see some maturity here from either side. And, and to be fair, I think the, the Taylor agent has been much more childish than the Colts have been. But I have, do not absolve the Colts at all, um, particularly from the top, in how they have acted with this. Um, but uh, – that is disappointing to hear because, again, I, I think you know, all of us can speak to instances in our life where greed and fame have changed people. And for Taylor to you know, disparage or treat people in a different manner. I know a lot of people have tweeted out videos of, of how he acts here at practice. He certainly doesn't look <laughs> thrilled by any means to be out here. I have noticed him mingling some with teammates. I, I, I think there has been this you know, painted picture of he doesn't talk to a single person out here. I don't think that is entirely true. But he definitely gives off the vibe of a dude that is very upset right now with how things are being handled. And he has the right to be upset. Um, I would just wish he would you know, leave that um, to be and obviously not impact other relationships that clearly have nothing to do with uh, his future with the Colts. Okay, I want to read you a text that I got that I think is really insightful, Kevin. This just a listener text. But I want your, your thoughts on this because I think it's pretty insightful. A little critical, but, but pretty insightful. You ready? Jake. The Colts are right to be cautious in playing running back, but you don't abuse leverage and squash a player under your thumb contractually just because you can. Ursay is doing so publicly and brazenly for the wrong reasons. A, because he thinks it's now required of him as an owner, and B, because he desperately craves his co-owner's approval and loves to talk publicly to impress them. In reality... He's miscalculating and immature and is set, sitting on a significant stash of unspent cap space that, while not wisely spent on a running back in a vacuum, would be well spent that way to give your massively underdeveloped potential franchise quarterback a level of protection desperately needed to develop. 
Point taken. No Super Bowl champ has had a leading rusher since 1998. Fine. But the Colts aren't trying to win a Super Bowl this year. They're trying to develop an incredibly raw quarterback. You don't do that by unnecessarily paring down offensive options. And to break precedent or extending best players going into contract years like this is such an abrupt manner, it is not good for the locker room. Do you have a name from that person? You know, first name would suffice. Uh, I'll have to run the number here. Hang on just a second. I do not. I I think that is a extremely well said, well thought out explanation of the situation. Uh, looks like Matt. Matt, tremendous. I I think that is extremely well said. Um, so much of it is certainly, I guess, what, what I have you know tried to say here over the last week with this situation. I think overall, Jake, the approach of having hesitancy about paying a running back long term money is the right approach. But again, you have got to live in the reality. And when you spend a second-round draft pick, when you trade up for that pick like the Colts did in 2020, you don't expect the dude to be here for three years and then all of a sudden it's over and you potentially get minimal return, if any return, on him here. Um, And I do think the Anthony Richardson element is something that is at play here. Uh, I said it yesterday. I think it's quite the message to send to Anthony Richardson of this is how the early support is going to be for you. And this is how we're going to handle things. I mean, Richardson's got to be looking at this like, damn, I mean, this is what the NFL's like? Uh, and then I think the last point there that I feel like is a pretty good one, there is part of me that sits here and says, from a financial standpoint, where else are you spending this money? Right. That's, the, that's a big one for sure. And, and this is a point that I wanted to get a little bit more into, and maybe we can do it today. But if this is the stance on Taylor... If the stance on Taylor is we are not paying you, Jake, in the next few weeks, you have got to extend Michael Pittman. Because the last thing you want to have happen is for this season to play out, Michael Pittman in some way, shape, or form either has a great season and feels like he can cash in on the open market, or he feels like whatever, things aren't great here, and he wants to you know go elsewhere. Um, You do not want to get to this time next year, Jake, and we're talking about a skill group that is Deion Jackson, Alec Pierce, and Mo Cox, because that support is absolutely nothing, (laughs) nothing where even close to what you would want for your young quarterback. And that's why when I hear situations about, you know, the Colts let Marshall Falk walk, they let Edger and James walk, well, they also had Hall of Famers. Correct. on that team no, that's around correct. their quarterback. That's they don't have Hall of Famers, and particularly at the skill positions, I mean, uh, around Kevin, Anthony I go Richardson. back to, you would think that Jim Irsay, and, and, and I'm not saying he doesn't, right? But I'm under the assumption that Jim Irsay is aware of this. And, and I know that I'm beating a dead horse here to the point where it's now not only Elmer's glue, it's holding a table together somewhere. I get it. But the reality is this. Jim Irsay, in his time of being as an adult, and I don't mean like as a kid folding towels. I mean as an adult. Jim Irsay has seen the franchise quarterbacks that Jim Irsay has seen for his franchise. Burt Jones, who became an NFL MVP. And then John Elway, who, who they obviously had to trade. Jeff George, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. Okay. In most of those cases, I can't speak to what Burt Jones had around him. I think Joe Washington might have been with Baltimore at the time. I, I, I don't recall what he had in the early years. But Jeff George, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck. Jim Mersey is well aware of the fact that the one of the great regrets would be that they traded to get to Jeff George. They traded Chris Hinton and Andre Risen. 
And so I think that Jim Irsay learned from that, and therefore when they drafted Peyton Manning, what did they do? They drafted along with him E.G. Green and Jerome Payton. Payton was a nice player. Green never really panned out. He was hurt. But they were trying to get him weapons. They already had Marvin Harrison, who got hurt in, in Manning's first year there. They already had Marshall Falk. They had Tarek Glenn, so they had the pieces there, and Ursay was able to see. Now, Manning probably would have been great if you and I and the Eastwood Eagles were his offensive line. I get that. He was going to be a great player, but they still managed to develop around him so that he walked into a good situation. And the same thing for Andrew Luck. When Andrew Luck came here, they already had Reggie Wayne. You know, they... they they had pieces there that they knew they needed to have. And so he has to know, Kevin, he has to know, one would think, that coming into it, it is important for Anthony Richardson to have pieces. And quite frankly, right now, I don't know that they do. Well, they don't. They don't have margin. How about that? They don't have margin for error with pieces. They don't. And, Jake, we can't even compare Richardson to Manning and Luck. They, totally they were in a different stratosphere exiting college I'm just from saying, an experience. I'm just guys that you're From a hype to. standpoint, you've got to go above and beyond. And that, I think, is a concern that you have here. It's the point that you brought up, Jake, yesterday. Every single decision the Colts make this season, no matter what happens, on or off the field, it all comes back to how does this help or hurt Anthony Richardson. Yeah. And in this, in this Taylor light, and again, they obviously had issues with Taylor before any any supposed back injury developed. Taylor was frustrated back in June about where they were at contractually with him. The lack of support, I would say, is the most concerning thing when you talk about 2023 and potentially beyond with this news. EJ Speed, Colts linebacker on the other side. We'll also play a Shane Steichen clip in relation to Jonathan Taylor from yesterday. Uh, I thought it was short, but certainly some interesting comments in there from Steichen. So EJ Speed on the other side here, live from Colts training camp. Kevin. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Landon Coons and Shagai joining us this morning, working the promotions, doing a nice job setting us up engineering-wise as well. Mark Dykton back in studio, Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen, and a guy that... Kevin says is mowing the field. I say he's just blowing moisture off the field. Uh, but either way, gorgeous morning here at Grand Park for Colts Camp on this Tuesday, the 1st of August. Good morning to you on Kevin and Query here on 93.5, 107.5, the fan. Colts linebacker EJ Speed going to join us here in just a second. We did see Shaquille Leonard dial back that workload just a little bit yesterday, Jake. He did not take part in the team drill. Still participated in all the rest of the areas of practice. Uh, Shane Steichen said just part of the plan. I think today's supposed to be probably their most active and physical day of camp, so I'm curious if kind of you know leading into that, they just wanted to dial it back just a hair with Shaq. Um, but that was a little bit of an alteration from what we've seen from him early on here through the first uh, four practice days of camp. Can I tell you one crazy theory that I have? I'll give it to you in a second after EJ Speed joins us. But in regards to injuries, remind me, that I have a conspiracy theory. Kevin. Okay, all right. I know it's you, you seem to have have a lot. EJ, if you don't mind, throw on that headset. And uh, EJ Speed is with us here live in Grand Park. Have... Now, can I say this, Kevin? We're supposed to be objective, right? Sure. And this is going to be uncomfortable. I, I, it's not even 8.30 in the morning, and I'm going to make this poor guy feel uncomfortable, okay? My favorite Colt, EJ Speed. Oh, wow. Appreciate and I, that. And I'll tell you why. 
I've always liked guys, EJ, that come in and EJ. He says this to everybody, by the way. That's right. You're the seventh player. No, I've always liked guys though that come (laughs) in and, and are just willing to do whatever. Like, like. It just seems to me that you're the kind of guy that came in and said, I'm cool with whatever my role is. And then by just going about and doing that and not worrying too much on what that role is, but making sure that you do it well, that opened up for you more opportunities where you became a Swiss Army knife kind of guy. Now, Mm -hmm. am I overstating that? Nah, you you actually hit it right on the nail. I think... Well, I, I think my role was more precise than you think just because how, how deep our linebacker core was. When I came in with, like, Iberflus and um, and uh, Bubba, it was kind of like, all right, look here. Do the special teams thing, you know what I mean? Work your way into the defense, and then, you know, everything could be great. So I just dedicated my time and efforts into it, and uh, I flourished in, the, in that role. EJ, to that point, I feel like you've got to be itching to play more. Like, I, I think back to the Christmas game in Arizona during the COVID year and how important you were mm-hmm. in that win. Um, I think back to, I mean, I know the opener last year is not one that a lot of people want to talk about, but mm-hmm. you had a huge play in that game that kind of changed the, the direction of that one. Are, do you feel like you're just kind of itching to say, all right, I, I knew it was going to be a little bit of a development for me in mm-hmm. the NFL, but I'm ready for a bigger role? No, nah, definitely. Definitely. I think um, it's definitely time to get that role into play and just let it let me flourish within the role. So, I mean, it's coming together. It's coming together. I don't want to seem like, you know, that anything that, that I do i don't want to seem like i'm just expecting or whatever like that but i'm just gonna let my hard work take its course and i've been doing that since i've been in the league i mean i go in the off season i work harder than anybody and so when i come into the season you know that's just i'm just reaping what i sow do you view kind of Shaq's health as having like an impact on how much you will play this season uh yeah i try not to get into that like i said i just try to like you know just roll with the punch whatever in front of me on my plate i just take it and, and you know i just eat within that role so uh um, if 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 um, D. Leonard can't go, then I'll be ready to step up like I always been. If he can go, I mean I rally behind him, and I know I mean he's a hell of a player, so he'll do his thing. And then um, I got roles within myself also when Shaq is on the field. So um, you know that's just what it is. Are you so, surprised by the amount of work he's done out here through? No, nah, I'm not surprised actually. You know me and me and we real transparent. We talk every day, so. Um, I mean, I already knew how, how much he was uh, coming along within the offseason and all that type of stuff. I watched him at OTAs. So, I mean, we check up. We, we brothers, so we talk all the time. So, uh, I wasn't surprised when he came out and he was ready to go when he made some plays this camp. It's kind of hard, though, because the reality is this. The reality is that if he – and let's just say he is going to – you know, he's mm-hmm. going to be held. He goes. You guys as a defense are obviously, you know, strengthened. But he doesn't go – it's better personally for you probably because even more opportunity and yet you've got to know kind of which way you're going here in terms of how many reps you're going to get has that been difficult to wade through uh not difficult like i mean it just i mean i, I mean how many how many years have i been backing up you learn probably like four or five right so um i mean at this point, it's it's the career. Like I accept I accept my role in my career, not into a fact of like I'm complacent within it, mm-hmm. but you know if that's the role, then that's the role, and we got to go out there and win regardless. And fortunately, I've had chances where I can step up and show guys that like okay, he is a guy that we can count on when when it's needed. So um, so yeah, I mean 
I'm more accepting and, and just more grateful than anything within being able to be in a role and, and be important to an organization. Is it crazy to you at all? And by the way, EJ Speed joined us here live at Grand Park, practice number five for the Colts coming mm-hmm. up at 10. I think I have this right. You're the only guy left in your draft class still here. Nah, uh, Doolin. Well, I guess he was undrafted. Undrafted guy, yeah, he but was of undrafted. Your, of your, but yeah, of my draft, draft class group. for sure, yeah. I am the only one. Me and Doolin actually talk about that all the time. Is we that joke something about you, it. do you find it like, damn, this is life in the NFL, or mm. is it more of like, I'm proud of that? You know, of the eight or nine guys, like I clearly did something because the staff changed. I mean, Gus mm. has come in here, and clearly he's very high on you. He speaks very highly of mm. you in front of us, and they resigned you last year. Yeah. Um, how do you kind of view that of, you know, a guy that is a day three draft pick? Usually those aren't the ones that yeah. stay here longer than anybody else in their draft class. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely honorable about it. Like, I, um, I always wanted – I mean, I stayed at Tarleton State all of my years at Tarleton State. Um, I always wanted to to retire with a, with a squad that drafted me. It always been a dream of mine. I always thought it was cool, like, to see, like – players who were like legendary to a team like T.Y. Hilton like growing up playing you know like if you go pick the Colts on Madden you playing with T.Y. Yeah, Hilton Robert like, Mathis Reggie yeah, Wayne yeah it's like it's kind of like that so it's like um so that was always a profitable thing of, me, of mine like to 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 retire with a team that drafted me I think is big so uh with me to have a second contract and a chance to have a third with the Colts if I do everything right and all the chips and stuff fall where they will fall in the right place um I'm definitely honorable on that you know what I mean so I'm proud of it for sure there has been one defensive player that I think we would label as under the radar maybe you wouldn't that I feel like has really stood out through the first four days of camp to me I guess I'll speak for myself who do you think I'm talking about uh, defensive player that stood out everybody been making plays a little bit under the radar Tell guy. Tell me why I've been doing this thing, too. I was going to go with Daryl Baker Jr. at corner. Oh, DJ. Yeah, D- actually, DJ been doing this for a long term. Like, he's a star. I mean, he's a starter nah, he in been, your nickel package He got long right arms. Now. He's hella athletic. Yeah. And shit. Like, DJ, he been doing that for a long time. Even when he was on practice squad last year, he was making plays in practice and stuff like that. So, um... So that's that's why I really didn't hit me. Yeah. I thought you was going to go Ricky Rob. Sure, I've sure, been sure. seeing DJ do that for a long time. DJ, he legit with it for sure. Do you guys get caught up in everything that takes place away from the field? The Jonathan Taylor situation, for example, mm. and all the conversation of that, is it a, distra- is it a distraction? Uh, nah, it's, it's uncontrollable. Like, I mean... Y'all, y'all hear more more news about it than we do, actually, because, I mean, both sides aren't really too transparent. We just look on Twitter and be like, oh, this happened today. You know what I mean? So, um, we definitely, I mean, me personally, JT is one of my favorite teammates. He's been since he came in. He's done everything right. I love JT. And um, hopefully both sides can come to an agreement. Does he, and I realize the other side of the ball, so it's not like you're in meetings with him. Yeah. But have you seen it impact him emotionally? <laughs> Not really. I haven't talked to him about it. Um, I mean, when he's when he's around the building, he's doing everything that he needs to do around the building, within it, whether it's rehab or lifting or whatever like that. So, um, you know, I haven't talked to him. I mean, I need to have that conversation with him just as a teammate that has been here for a while. I need to have that conversation with him. But I haven't yet, so I can't really be transparent on how he's feeling. Uh, for you personally, would, would the career of EJ Speed to this point have gone and had the same success if you had come out of 
Texas or Alabama or USC? Or does coming out of Tarleton State, a smaller school, being a little bit off the radar, did that instill in you a little bit of a chip that you can still carry today? Uh, definitely. Tarleton State, I had a um, strength conditioning coach named Coach Cole, and he was very humble and older man, had been there for a long time. He's a legendary guy at Tarleton. And, you know, he just always preached like, like day by day, just do the things that you need to do to be who you are. You never really just chase chase like what other people got going on or anything like that. So Tarleton really cultured me into the man I am today when it comes to football and how I approach the game just in the fact of like keep your head down and keep grinding because you know Tarleton isn't like a, a, a widely recognized school. You know like you playing football, you playing well, you don't even know if the yeah, league is looking. When, when you got so, drafted I'm not going to lie, most people's reaction <laughs> yeah. was now, where is that exactly? Where is that exactly? Yeah. You know so like you know you just head down grinding the whole time. You don't know if, if the NFL is even watching you have 16 tackles and don't even know if anybody's seen it so um that kind of like that kind of shaped my mentality towards the game just focus on now focus on what's in front of you and just let everything else play its part ej could you explain your draft story for our audience out there because <coughs> how the colts tell it is like they really didn't know much if anything about you until your pro day yeah you know this is not you aren't a combine guy. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not something where, you know, to your point, you know, a lot of people are watching you in college. So walk me through maybe like January to April of that draft cycle, what you thought was going to happen, and then obviously what happened at your pro day. Uh, I talked to a few teams within the uh, the draft cycle or whatever like that when it became available for the teams to talk to us. I talked to a few teams, and then um, – I actually worked out in front of the coach. I guess they came to a pro day or whatever like that. And I barely talked to the coach until my 30-man visit. I came in, and um, once I looked up the roster, you know, Darius had just came off that rookie, the rookie of the year. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, 2018 season. Like yeah. That. And I just looked, and I was like, bro, all my measurables is just like – there's my agent actually pointed out. He was like, all your measurables is just like they're all pro player that they just had. So it could be a chance that, you know, the Colts take a bid on you and just see. And then once I had a, a conversation with the organization, I felt like we all we both seen eye to eye, and we, we just met on what it was. And then Ballard told me, all right, when you come in, you know, you got to prove it. You got to prove. And now he sent me the um, – and I actually sent it back to him every – at the start of every camp, he sent me my D-plus grade or whatever like that that I had as a as a, um, as a a draft pick. It was like a D-plus grade. They said that I was weak or whatever like that. So, um, so yeah, it was definitely a, a process, and it put a chip on my shoulder through that whole process and kind of still does because – that none of that was true about who I really was as a player. Pretty so. impressive story. Now going into year five again, re-signed with the Colts here this offseason and outside of the undrafted Ashton Doolin. He's the last man from that 2019 draft class. EJ, stay healthy this season. Appreciate the time here on this Tuesday morning uh, and enjoy practice number five. All right, thank you. That's EJ Speed right there, live here at Grand Park as they are mowing the fields here and getting ready for practice number five. By the way, EJ Speed, has, he has perfect teeth. I wanted to ask how often he brushes and flosses his teeth. Did you notice how perfect his teeth are? Um, I did notice that. I also have thought this, and I would say to EJ Speed, now that he's walking away, it might sound a little awkward. I think he's one of the better-looking athletes out here on the field. Like, I look out there and watch him practice, and I think that dude could play five different sports. Yeah, uh, you know who was like that for me? Does that make sense, by the way? It does, and I'll tell you. Uh, like, I think DeForest Buckner is like that as well. In terms of what you mean, I think, by that, I remember, Kevin, covering the Colts and Cowboys. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was in the 
I want it was it the year after the Super Bowl the Colts were unbeaten and their first loss of the year was in Dallas. They were like 10 and 0 or 11 and 0. And I remember Terrell Owens came out for warm-ups and I remember just thinking to myself like that is just an, like an incredibly gifted physical athlete. Just his athleticism in general and his physical stature. Well, I mean there was nothing there was no way to to see it other than to be completely respectful of his physical conditioning. And I would say that EJ Speed, very similar. That 2019 draft for refreshment, Jake, Rakia Seen, Ben Banigou, Paris Campbell, Bobby O'Karake, the now retired Kari Willis, Marvell Tell third, EJ Speed with pick number 164, Gary Green, Jackson Barton, Javon Patterson. Wow. The only one left out of that group would be pick number one, two, three, four, five, six, the seventh selection out of that draft. Okay, now let me ask you this because I can't recall, and you would know off the top of your head. Rock Yassin was moved for who? Rock Yassin was sent for Yannick Ngakwe, right? So even so Ngakwe's lost, so, not so, even yeah, here. So you don't you have a, yeah, yeah, so you don't have a piece there, yeah. Is Banigou, did, he, did I see Dallas maybe for him? Did he join somewhere in the summer? Banigou, now was, was it Banigou or... Uh, Okereke that Pat McAfee introduced at the draft and said future Hall of Famer. Okereke, yeah, because okay. you know back then we called him Okereke, right? So Campbell and Okereke are both with the Giants. Rock seen I think, just recently joined the Ravens. Maybe I think those might be the only dudes still left in the NFL. Banigou is with the Cowboys. Yeah, Banigou Cowboys. Yeah, but Marvell Tell, no way, or at least I don't think so. Uh, certainly none of those picks after EJ Speed. It is a pretty um. Pretty unique story. I mean, basically, he popped up on the Colts draft radar with putting up those testing numbers that he talked about at the pro day. And, again, very reminiscent of what Darius Leonard had put up the year before. And the Colts said, why not take a flyer on him? And last year he played the most special team snaps of anybody. And as much as I I knew he probably wasn't going to go there with us, Jake, I do think his playing time is so dependent on the health of Leonard. I, yeah, I basically totally. look at it as Zaire Franklin, if healthy, Zaire Franklin and Shaq Leonard are on the field for every snap. EJ Speed is that third linebacker, so you put him out there against kind of run teams and things like that. That is my thought. But I said this to him. Gus Bradley loves him, Jake. Gus Bradley gushes about EJ Speed a whole, whole lot. Gus Bradley's turned over a lot of this defense in just his two years as coordinator. They re-signed Speed in the offseason. So I am interested to see, do they feel like, A, Shaq doesn't need or shouldn't have 100% snaps game in and game out because they feel better about EJ Speed. Like They want to kind of get him out there, A, because they think he is an intriguing talent, and B, it helps the workload I just of love, Shaquille Leonard. I just love the attitude. Uh, you know what I mean? The approach of like, hey, listen, I, wherever they need me to go, that's what I'm going to do, I, which is exactly what he said. And, I, and he backs it up. I mean, you know, there are some guys – some guys talk that stuff, Kevin, and then they go out there and you're like, that guy didn't want to do that. That does not appear to be the case here. Like, he is literally like, hey, whatever they need me to do to win games, that's what we're going to do. Marvel, Special teams making a play, whatever it might be. Marvell Tell is still in the NFL. Would you venture to guess where he's at? Uh, Baltimore Ravens. Gosh, he's still on a 90-man roster even? I, I I would not have guessed that, Mark. Where's he at? Cincinnati Bengals on their practice squad. Okay. Practice squad would you go yeah, out there? I, I guess now he's on the 90-man roster. Yeah, practice squads. What, what do they get? Still haven't been. Um, what do practice squads get, like 1,500 a week? Well, I should say that? he was on the practice squad last season, so he's still on their roster. He's still an active member of the team. 
so I Kevin practice squad was like in the six to seven thousand. Is that what it is? Week. Is it that much now? I remember. I mean, I'm going off ten years ago talking to a guy about it. And I, th- I thought it was fifteen hundred or two grand or something. Yeah, they so. changed practice squad rules a couple years ago. Um, let me ask you this question: With Jonathan Taylor, and this is me, admittedly, maybe this is a stretch, but Jonathan Taylor had ankle surgery, right? In the offseason, he had an ankle injury. And then, allegedly, allegedly, key word there, allegedly has a problem with his back. Now, Shaq Leonard has a problem with his back, and didn't we find out that actually that was the origin of the problem with his ankle? Yeah, the nerve issue. Uh, any, I know. Any, any I chance know. That, that history's repeating itself I know. here? The thought has crossed my mind. The thought has crossed my I, mind. I know that that's – there are so many times where we – and I'm not just saying you and I, fans, whatever it might be. There are so many times that something pops into your mind initially and you think, that seems crazy. That is so out of left field. There's no way – there's no way that it's true that Andrew Luck further – had a subluxation of his shoulder because he was snowboarding. There's no way that's possible. And then it's like, well, wait a minute. Right? Yep. Is there something there? I have no idea. But is it possible this is another one of those things that three weeks from now it's going to be like, guess what? We should have pursued that further. And again, I don't want to like continue to read too much into it, but I feel like I wouldn't be doing my job if I Correct. weren't. You watch Taylor out here at practice, Jake, and this goes back to the spring. I've never seen any boot or anything on the ankle. And he doesn't even, I don't know, maybe he walks through that gate that we're, that we're looking out at right right now. I don't think he golf carts it back. I mean, that's a good walk to that indoor facility where they do their meetings and right. they have their lockers. I mean, that's a 15-minute walk from this field to there. So I'm like, what? There has to be a little bit more to this story. And clearly, it seems like we just wake up and there is new items um, that come out each and every day on it. I do want to play that Shane Steichen clip here coming up in a few in relation to Jonathan Taylor and the question that I asked Shane yesterday about it. Um, I do feel like, and last year, Jake, was the first time we've dealt with this with Taylor. He was never hurt at Wisconsin, never hurt in high school. Last year was the first time we've ever really had to ask him injury-related questions. He, first off, was beyond coy when asking him anything about his physical health and his injury situation. And I know I've said this before, but Jake, think back to last year and how many times we got to like Thursday or Friday of a game week. We thought Taylor was going to play, and then boom, all of a sudden, he didn't end up playing. It's just, there's a lot of layers to this story. I mean, part of it could be the frustration, Kevin, of not knowing. He may be like, look, I don't know. And it's the first time he's dealt with anything of serious right. nature from a health standpoint. We did get a question, and I think this gets back to the Shane Steichen point that I said to Stephen Holder yesterday. Remember when we had Stephen on, and you know he kind of explained that there's some inconsistencies with how Jim Irsay and Jonathan Taylor have paid, or I should say Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard, have paid non-premium positions, have emphasized the run game, have emphasized the fact that if you're a good player, I don't care where you play, we're going to pay you. Now there's inconsistencies, clearly, with this Taylor situation. And I said to Stephen, is this a Shane Steichen presence? 
And we got a tweet mentioning that, you know, if you really get into kind of the nitty-gritty with Taylor's game, he is a much better runner of the football when you aren't operating out of the shotgun. And I know we're starting to get a little bit deeper into the weeds here, but I do think it's relevant to bring up because Shane Steichen's history is a little bit more shotgun-based. You would think that would be advantageous with Anthony Richardson. Is that Shane Steichen, again, saying to Chris Bauer and Jim Mersey, guys, I don't think we're going to be running as much under center. Then does that negate a little bit of how much you feel the need to give Taylor that money? Part of me is like, we're way overthinking that thought. But then again, you you, you talk to Shane Sykin, Jake, and he's a dude that crosses every single T and dots every I. I think he would offer some of that input. And I am interested, how much is the Sykin presence weighing in on the hesitancy with Taylor. No, I think that's a a really good... uh, Look, we don't know. Shane Steichen's brand new here. We don't know what the... the, the, We have an idea what the approach is. I mean, the one thing that we know is that if there are short yardage opportunities or draw plays to be had, Anthony Richardson's going to get some of those, right? And if it isn't this year where they're using that as a feature part of it, certainly they want to get it developed, right? <laughs> are you, you want that ladybug? Listen, ladybugs are good luck. Look at you that, that right? I feel like it's Max crawling right now. There's a huge ladybug that, that Kevin that, is... That's a different color ladybug than normal. How would you describe that? Um, Let's get that on the camera. I would say gold, a, a lighter gold color. Gold jacket there. You guys see that? The ladybugs are good luck, and so like Shane Steichen could use the ladybug, right? Yeah. Should I just put it back in the grass? You think? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just kind of belly flopped in the grass, to be honest with you. There it is, right there. Uh, Let's get back on track with the morning checkdown. The morning checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Major League Baseball last night, pretty good game between the Cubs and the Reds. As a matter of fact, Cubs certainly make it uh, made the Reds fans sweat it out just a little bit. But in the end, Reds get a win, 6-5 over the Chicago Cubs. Go ahead and play it, Mark. Oh, what? Mark. <laughs> what? You gave us a sore now, but here come the Red Legs. There, there you, you go. go. Thank you. Thank you, Mark, for that. A game and a half up as the Brewers lose to the Nationals. Uh, trade deadline coming up today at 6 o'clock. So we'll see a little bit of activity from the Reds, a little bit more from the Cubs yesterday. We'll see if anything happens today from a trade deadline standpoint. Speaking of deadlines, it looked like earlier this morning that there were some shaky, shaky moments from the U.S. women's national team. But they do advance to the knockout stage of the World Cup. So that'll be the final 16. They tie Portugal nil-nil. In stoppage time, Portugal had a shot off the post that if that would have went in, the U.S. would have gone home. Jake, four goals in the group stage for the U.S. women. Five total points accumulated in their one win and two ties. Uh, That is the fewest in the history, the nine World Cup history for the U.S. Women's I have a question. Team. Why don't we just say scoreless tie? Because the Indy 11 people are right behind us, and I want to sound like I can blend in with them. <laughs> okay. I, you know, yesterday, actually, I went to use the restroom here at Grand Park, and I went inside what I, the media facility, uh-huh. 
and I didn't realize the restrooms like right in the Indy Eleven like training rooms. I know. I know. Like, and I, I took we a, like share a locker. Room I took a them. wrong turn, and there was a guy laying there with like nine suction cups on his back, and it was very uncomfortable. I've always wondered if that would feel good or not. The suction cup deal. Yeah, I've had it done. Um, it's not bad. You, you, yeah, you don't really feel much, but then you look weird after the fact. You look like actually kind of one of those reptilian people that they talk about over on the fourth floor. Now, now the porter potty's here about 50 feet away. Do you uh-huh. use the nicer ones? Oh, or for the sure. Ones? No, the nicer ones. I yeah. use the regular ones. No, the I nicer feel like ones I deserve are... the regular ones. The nicer ones intimidate me. Well, I, listen, I spend enough time at racetracks that I've got to use plenty of the regular ones. The big, nice ones that are like the mobile, it's like going into an office. Air conditioning, nice, clean restrooms. I know. I feel like I'm at my eye doctor. Correct. It's, it's, they're very nice. No, I, I, I use plenty of the, um, the regular portalettes at racetracks. Speaking of portalettes, you could describe the Indiana Fever's play on the floor like that here That's as good. of late. They're back in action tonight. Smooth segue. They've got Phoenix at 7 o'clock. Was that smooth or not? <laughs> that was good, yeah. Uh, the mower's out in full force, wrapping up here on the north field at Grand Park. 10 o'clock today, practice number 5 for the Colts. Shane Steichen, I thought, with an interesting answer in relation to Jonathan Taylor from yesterday. We'll play that audio on the other side. Tony Stewart, by the way, going to join us in about 15 minutes. Kevin and Quarry here live from Grand Park. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous here at Grand Park. We are 90 minutes away from practice number five for the Indianapolis Colts. We'll continue to update you on Anthony Richardson's availability for this practice. Can Gardner Minshew all the starting reps yesterday, Jake? Um, so now if you're charting that through four days of camp, Minshew's at double, double the amount of starting work than Richardson. I, I do think that is an impactful number and certainly something to keep an eye on as the Colts continue to work their way through training camp and decide who will be the starter week one against Jacksonville. Uh, part of me, and I, I don't know, I guess I could just look at the contract that he has and, and maybe I wouldn't feel as bad, but... Part of me feels a little bad, Jake, for Shane Steichen in that like he's just been thrown into the fire here with his Jonathan Taylor situation, and now he's the one that's got to answer the questions. Like We have no scheduled media availabilities, nothing, with Jim Irsay and Chris Ballard anytime soon. So that means Steichen is the voice for the organization, and that means he gets the Jonathan Taylor questions. Mark, if you can cue up that audio right now. Jake, I felt the need to ask Shane Steichen yesterday if – he is planning on Jonathan Taylor being part of his 2023 football team, and here's the clip. Yeah, right now he's on this football team. He's on this football team, and when the medical staff clears him, he should be out here. Here's the thing. Care if I play it one more time, Jake? Sure. Short, sweet. I think there's a couple of interesting points from that. Mark, one more time, please. Yeah, right now he's on this football team. He's on this football team, and when the medical staff clears him, he should be out here. Right now and should are the key words there, right? Literally. Those are the two things. I go, I know Jake is probably going to side or listen to that and hear the same things I heard. I heard right now, which is the ultimate caveat. Right now, I'm here at practice. I mean, when you say right now, you can get away with anything after you say that. And how about the should part? 
when the medical staff clears him, he should be out here. Correct. I think Shane Steichen meant to say that. I think there was a reason behind him saying that. He knew he knew the question was coming. Or am I well, reading, reading too much into that? Okay. Not to go with the whole Jerry Seinfeld, you know, which word did you emphasize line, but was he saying once he's cleared medically, he should be out here? Or once he's cleared medically, he should be out here? In other words... Yeah, he talks too fast for me was, to read was that he, body language. Was he speaking to to Jonathan Taylor saying, uh, you better be out here? Or was he speaking to, no, there's no reason to believe he wouldn't be out here? Part of me thinks it was the latter. Or part of me thinks, excuse me, it was the former. He better be out here. Yeah. Now, for Shane Steichen, you're, you're, now you're going to laugh at me here. You ready? I'm ready. This Jonathan Taylor thing is the greatest thing to happen to Shane Steichen. If I'm Shane Steichen, I wake up in the morning and I say, I want to thank the good Lord for the beautiful sunshine, the cooler temperatures the last two days, and the Jonathan Taylor saga. I I am grateful for the opportunity to be an NFL coach. I'm happy for the health of my family and children, and I'm happy for the Jonathan Taylor saga. I, I wake up in the morning if I'm Shane Steichen, I check Twitter and I go, sweet, Another tweet last night for people to talk about. Because there are few, other than quarterback, there are few things in the National Football League more scrutinized than a head coach, let alone a first-year one. And typically, that's everything that people would be talking about. What are they doing differently than a year ago? What sort of things are different? They're, they're, they're practicing earlier in the day as opposed to later in the day. They're going through shorter reps or longer reps. Boy, I long for the days when guys would get in there and get in your grill. Tony Dungy's too kind. Jim Mora's too harsh. You know, it's uh, Chuck Pagano's running around frantically. The scrutiny of a head coach in the NFL is unlike anything in sports other than maybe the quarterback. And what have we not talked about at all? What have you not seen at all? You haven't seen any scrutiny of Shane Steichen, any questioning of Shane Steichen, any, I mean, all of the conversation of Colts Camp 2023 so far is about, for that matter, Shane Steichen knows, Shane Steichen's immediate future as an NFL head coach, not future, but his his, his immediacy as an NFL head coach and his long-term future probably rides on the acclimation and the the level of play of Anthony Richardson. And what have we not talked about? A little bit about Anthony Richardson, don't get me wrong. But for a guy that's a top five pick that that struggled in OTAs with consistency and, and with accuracy, and everybody's talking about Jonathan Taylor. If I'm Shane Steichen, I'm like, this is beautiful. Yeah. Less attention on me, less attention on Richardson, let's go. We all know that will change on September 10th. I mean, the Taylor storyline dominates right now. I don't think we're going to get to, like, November, December, hell. We're, we're going to get to 2024 and 2025 and be like, no, Shane Steichen deserves a mulligan because of that Jonathan Taylor I'm not Taylor saying he deserves a mulligan, but what I'm saying is, camp. Kevin, as you're going through your process and you are going about – it, it's just like when you were in college. The you don't first, want one of the best running backs on your football team I'm to help say, you out in year I'm, one I'm and help Anthony that. Richardson's development? I don't, if I'm Shane Steichen, if I'm Shane Steichen, I'm like, my important role here is Anthony Richardson's development. That's what I'm – and, yes, I know that Jonathan Taylor 
Taylor is a big part of that. But what I'm saying is, the way, I tell kids all the time when they go to college, listen, the first semester is critical. The most critical of your eight semesters in college is the first one. Because the way you start out and the habits you form, are they set the tone for the way you're going to be as a student for the next four years. And if you are an NFL head coach, in terms of the spotlight, in, in terms of the first camp that you're going through, you want Shane Steichen of all people. I mean, we managed to get Shane Steichen during the Combine to answer one question about the fact he enjoys a corona. And that was like a miracle of science that we got him to talk away from the X's and O's for football and talk for more than seven words and an answer. And Shane Steichen is locked in, focused, tunneled vision, football, football, football. So he, he, he should love the fact that he's able to do that and that the tunnel vision focus from the media and the fans right now is on everything but the two most critical parts of the seeds being planted by this franchise, which are the head coach and the quarterback. Yeah, I, I think he absolutely hates it. I think he hates it. I think he hates the drama. Um, I think he hates how the owners handled it. I think he hates how Taylor's team has handled it. I think he just brings unnecessary questions and a distraction to his football team right now. Maybe. I'm just saying what he what like, he should. like. I mean... Let's be honest, Jake. As much as the guys don't want to admit it, I thought Isaiah McKenzie hinted at it a little bit with this yesterday. These guys are talking about this in the lunchroom. These guys are talking about this behind the scenes. Of course. It's Jonathan Taylor. Of course. And now you've got Zach Moss's broken arm, and he's going to be out, you know, potentially for the start of the regular season. I, I'm I, Shane Steichen. I'd rather they talk about that than the fact that, 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 gee, I don't know about this quarterback. You know, I mean, whatever. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be something. I'd rather surprised. have it be something other than the quarterback or the head coach. A little surprised we haven't seen the Colts sign a running back yet. They've got four healthy ones for today's practice. I would assume they're going to do that, especially when you think about Taylor and Moss. And I guess we're under the impression here that Taylor is is not going to return anytime soon. And you know, potentially, you know, we'll see if he's even on this football team this fall. But the thing about Taylor and Moss, both of them, you would label them as kind of first and second down guys. You you really wouldn't label them as primarily primarily passing options or third down backs. You know, Naheem Hines backs, if you will. So I do think if you look at the rest of the running back room right now, Deion Jackson is probably more of a receiving back than anything. Evan Hall coming out of Northwestern, more of a receiving back. So I do think that element to your offense, again, if you are under the impression that Taylor is not going to play and if Moss is going to miss a month and a half, then I do think that is something uh, that you need uh, to go out and seek out. We have a Shannon jury duty update. Oh. Is this going to weed her out if they know that she's texting me and I'm a media member? I, I would think that would be a little bit of a red flag for the um, for the lawyers involved. They just came in and went over the rules. They asked if anybody had a question. Some dude raised his hand and said, yeah, how long do I have to be here? <laughs> <laughs> he is feeling my vibe. That's I love said. that. So they don't take away your phone? I guess not. I would think they do. Once you're selected, surely they do, right? Greg says we're goofy for uh, parsing words. That's just normal verbiage. You agree with that? Are we reading too much into what Shane Steichen said in the right now? And the Is Greg aware of what we do here? for a living? I mean, I don't think we're being goofy. You play that, what's everybody that's listening to it think? 
And the situation that we're currently in, it absolutely is up for scrutiny. Yeah, I feel like that's just kind of welcome to the Days of Our Lives episode yeah. that this has turned episodes that this has turned into here. Yeah, right now he's on this football team. Sean. He's on this football team, and when the medical staff clears him, he should be out here. That answer sounds a whole lot different than his answers when talking about yeah. Darius Rush, yeah. Juju Brents, Tyquan Lewis, other injured players on this football team. Uh, Tony Stewart on the other side, Jake? That's correct. All right, Tony Stewart is going to join us next. Joel A. Erickson, by the way, will join us live here at Colts Camp coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. We'll continue to monitor things on this practice field. Guys, usually start trickling out a little bit after the 9 o'clock hour. We'll keep you posted on Anthony Richardson's availability for this practice coming off the nose surgery from Sunday. Uh, But Tony Stewart joins us next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You are listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Just about a month from now, as a matter of fact, as we are at Grand Park for Colts Camp, A lot of attention will be out on the west side for the U.S. Nationals, which as I have always said, and it probably, for those that are involved in it, they get tired of hearing it, but it's true. The Super Bowl of drag racing, the Indy 500, whatever you want to call it, uh, it is the biggest and the best, and it is all coming up Labor Day weekend, and to talk about that, to promote it, a guy who has decided to dabble his toes into and not just here's the thing, Tony Stewart, like you didn't decide just to kind of experiment when it comes to... um, you know, drag strip racing. You just decided to go all in, which I kind of love. Uh, first off, thanks for joining us, man. It's good to talk to you. Thanks. Yeah, I, I would say uh, dabble was an understatement for sure. We uh, <laughs> we might have just dipped one toe and said, hmm, this doesn't feel too bad, and then just dove head first. But, um, yeah, I'm really enjoying this. It's um, It's been a lot of fun to meet Leah, uh, start going to some of her races. She was going to my races, and uh, – you know, that, that evolved into going to drag racing school just to kind of get a better understanding of what she's talking about from behind the steering wheel. And uh, here we are another year down the road after that, and now I'm driving a top alcohol dragster. You're married. You you own cars. You're you're running in it. The Dodge Power Brokers NHRA U.S. Nationals, by the way, is what we're talking about. I, I want to begin with this. I, you have obviously, Tony Stewart, been able to race anything and it's one of the things i you know you i know how much you look up to aj Foyt and just the versatility of that is there anything at all that translated other than just having your hands on a steering wheel towards learning how to race in this discipline of racing it is drastically different and, it, and you wouldn't think it would be i mean i i've been racing my entire life obviously and and i remember watching the drag races and like I, I always thought they fired up, they do a burnout, they back up, engine tuners twisting knobs, and and then they send them up and they go. And there's way more to it than that. So, to your point though, the the driving side when you hit the gas, I mean your your instincts kick in just like they would any other race car. But I think the thing that that people don't realize is how intense just the procedure and the cadence of the procedure. Uh, everything you do, you have to do correctly, and you've got four or five guys around the car the whole time that it's running and you're you're in the front part of the car so uh to sit there and every everything motor and everything's behind you and all those guys and you're responsible for their safety too so just making sure you do everything correct is uh 
you know, a big part of what we do in drag racing and, and the focus, it's just a different mindset and it's a different skill set that you have to have to do drag racing. It's racing legend in Indiana native Tony Stewart. He's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline again along with the NHRA Nationals coming up. Obviously here, what, a week from Sunday, Jake? We've got uh, the Brickyard that will be over at IMS. We have seen a change to the road course here in recent years. Tony, if uh, you got to make the decision, would you like to see the Brickyard on the oval or on the road course over at IMS? I'm a traditionalist and I'm old school. I want the oval all day long. <laughs> well, you had pretty good success on it, no question about that, right? Yeah, I had two good brickyard wins. Um, you know, and that there's nothing that beats winning at home and you know, having your family and your friends there and being able to celebrate uh after a win at, at Indy. So uh that's always been the holy grail to me. Um, you know, always will be. So uh there's just something about winning at home that, that makes it even that much more special. You know, I remember Tony and I can't recall whether it was your first or second win out there, but I do remember watching it, and I think he went past the turn two suites. And as a kid also that grew up in Indianapolis and always you know, just had dreams about the Indy 500 in particular, but I think I felt, to an extent, I can't pretend to know what it was like to be in the car, but I think I felt like what that would feel like, just the, the pride of, of an Indiana guy winning there, right? So I'm curious... Does that same thing translate for you with the U.S. Nationals? Because I, I, I hope that people realize just exactly within the sport that you're now involved in how big the event in Indianapolis is in respect to that sport. Yeah, you're 1,000% spot on. It's, uh, and you said it at the, at the beginning of this. It's, it is the Super Bowl. It's the Indy 500. It's the Daytona 500. It is NHRA drag racing's biggest event of the year. This is the one that if you – say i'm i get to win one race during the year which one do i want it to be this is absolutely that race um it's that big it's five days of every class that nhra has out there competing and uh you know makes it fun for me because i get to race out there not at the same time obviously as my wife and and matt hagan that drives our funny car but you know to run the top alcohol class there and to know that i'm racing for the same trophy that the top fuel and funny car guys are running for uh, it is. It's that prestigious that uh, it it will have the same feel as a brickyard win if we were lucky enough to to finish it off. How is that balance, Tony? In terms of, you know, you have obviously had experience in being a an owner that is also racing and and having to balance that. But then you add into that the fact that it's your wife. And, you know, do you, do you guys separate it when you go home? Do you, do you sit there and all of a sudden at the dinner table you say, like, listen, I mean, what happened on that run? I mean, take me through how all of that kind of works out. Yeah, I, I've had to think about that quite a bit, actually, because, uh, yeah, you have to have separation between being the husband and, and being the car owner. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of it, it's the funny thing that I've told a lot of people is that being married to Leah and being around her and seeing her intensity when she races, it is, it is like looking back in time, 17 years at myself. So, um, when things happen, it's like, I know exactly where my mindset would have been as a driver. And I'm like, I don't think this is a good time to go ask her what happened. <laughs> I go, I go to the other pit and go uh, talk to Matt Hagen for a while, but it's uh it, it is, it's a challenge. Uh, it's also, very rewarding as well. I mean, when you get to, to 
do what you love doing in motorsports and get to do it with your wife. I don't know how it gets any better than that. We we both love racing in general. Um, obviously, she's been a drag racer her entire life. I'm new to it, but when I started going to the races with her, it was like setting a hook. I, I fell in love with it myself. Uh, still love everything else we, that we do, but really love this sport. So, uh, yeah, there's those times, though, when when I'm still in car owner mode and I'm like, I need to sit here and think about what I'm going to say before I say it, because that's going to be the difference between sleeping on the bed or sleeping on the couch. <laughs> Boy, we can all relate to the couch with that one. Tony Stewart's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Tony, my extent in a racing vehicle of any kind is as a passenger with Mario Andretti, two-seater, two laps around uh, the oval there at IMS. I was absolutely just in awe getting out of that car thinking how in the world could anyone do that for you know 200 laps let alone 32 other cars around them etc etc and you lo and behold do that and then also do the do do the double um with a coca-cola 600 at the same time late or i should say later that day what is the part of that that you think maybe either doesn't get talked about enough or the part that was the most strenuous for you in accomplishing that I think it was both physically and mentally being prepared. Uh, the first time we did the double was in 99, and uh, I was part owner in the IndyCar team. And, you know, obviously everybody's seen me for years. They know I'm not the guy that's, you know, at 5 o'clock beating the door down at the gym to go work out in the morning. So, uh, you know, for me, the first year it was really difficult to be physically prepared. I, I mean, I thought – I thought I was ready to go. I felt like I was race fit. But what I didn't understand was the nutrients and the nutrition side that I needed to pay attention to uh, to be able to do both of those events. So uh, in 2001, when I did it the second time, uh, we hired a trainer from the Carolina Panthers football team that was with me for three and a half weeks straight. And uh, everything that I ate, drank, he had it documented. I mean, he wrote everything down, but he, he dictated what I what I ate and drank, uh, I literally lost six pounds in the three and a half weeks just from what he was feeding me versus what I wanted to eat. Uh, but I was in way better shape the second time around. We ran the 500, ran six, uh, got in the airplane, they get IV fluids in you, um, give you food that they want you to eat for, I mean, I had a, I had a rice crispy treat bar, uh, and I didn't understand if there was something in that, that that's what they wanted to get in my system for the, for the 600 in Charlotte. But I uh, finished third at the 600 and, and felt like I could have ran another race that night. So, I mean, it, the, the training part of it was a huge asset in our success the second time around. Speaking of conditioning, Tony, I saw a photo of you recently. It looks like you're, you're getting back into shape, actually. And so that made me curious. If I'm not mistaken, your first NHRA win was in Vegas. I, I could be wrong in that. But um, when you won, did you were you able to go to Dairy Queen and celebrate? Because don't you like to go to Dairy Queen to celebrate a win? Yeah, you're right. I did win at Vegas. That was my first win last uh, or this spring. But, um, yeah, we uh, – the, the local Dairy Queen, there's two of them in town. They're two different owners, too. But the one that sponsored me when I was nine years old, he still owns it. He uh, doesn't get around quite as good as he used to uh, when I was eight years old. But uh, he's still at that, at that store every day. Daughter runs it. And, and uh, he's he's there working like he always has. He just doesn't work quite as fast. But we still... Uh, we still go in there at lunch with the with the rest of the Liars Club and, and have a good time uh, bench racing and telling stories. And, 
once about every five or six trips there, he'll break down and give me a free uh, chocolate shake. So uh, you know, I'm, I might be making him go broke. I'm not sure. Hey, Tony, I know you got a busy day, so we'll let you go here in a second, but I did want to ask you also, again, Tony Stewart is our guest on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Labor Day weekend is when the Dodge Power Brokers NHRA U.S. Nationals will be taking place. Tony will be out there in his top alcohol dragster, his wife, and, of course, his team as well, three different levels that you can see him racing. Uh, But in terms of next weekend, just your overall thoughts right now. I know Chase Briscoe ran really well on the road course a year ago, but just where your team is right now, in cup and where you would like to see improvement well we're kind of handcuffed to a certain degree i mean they've they've got the rules package so tight that we can't sit there and fix problems that we know we have it's uh you know they've just got the the box that tight now but i'm, I'm really proud of our group uh all four drivers ran well uh, all four more in the top 11 this past weekend at uh, richmond so um You know, I know, obviously, for Chase, it's a home race just like it was for me, and it means a lot to him. And he's a very good road course driver. So, uh, you know, his first year there, he he had a shot to win it and got pushed off the racetrack. But, um, you know, guys like Kevin are good road course racers. Eric won at Sonoma in the Xfinity car this year. We've got guys that know how to road race. We just got to be able to give them what they need to do to get the job done. But, uh at least we were encouraged this weekend by Richmond where it's not a big track. It's more that short track feel. And that's, that's what you get with road courses. You kind of use some of those uh, same setups and techniques to get the car working there as well. So I'm excited about it. So what changes would you like to see that would loosen up those handcuffs a little bit for your team? Change all the officials in NASCAR would be the start. (laughs) (laughs) They're the the rule makers, but uh, no, it's a tough job. I mean, it, it, running a sanctioning body is very tough but um you know they've just got the you're, you're kind of stuck at whatever the manufacturer submitted for uh, arrow and um you know we're, we're just a little bit behind in that so we're having to try to find other ways to compensate for and it's it's uh, much tougher than people think well, Tony, from the Indianapolis Zoo to Riley Children's Hospital to basically anywhere that you go around central Indiana, I know of the privately and quietly and without the request of things exactly like that, of public mention for it, the things that you've done for people around central Indiana. So certainly uh, hope that central Indiana can pay you back by helping you get a win out at the U.S. Nationals and helping you continue to, to grow that career and appreciate your time this morning. Nothing would be better than to celebrate with our hometown fans. So uh, look forward to seeing everybody out there. And, man, we uh, I'd say if we get lucky enough to win the U.S. Nationals and top alcohol dragster, we will have one hell of a party that night. So we'll, we'll make it a, a very special Labor Day weekend for sure. Chocolate shakes for everybody, baby. <laughs> yeah, I might have to spice it up even a little more than that. We might have to throw a little extra in it. <laughs> Top alcohol chocolate shakes for everybody. No need to sleep on the couch that night, right? That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. That's Tony Stewart right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Born in Rushville, Jake. I kind of forgot that yeah. aspect to it. I think it was some grew of us, up in Columbus, but you know, of us think Columbus. Some some used to call him the Rushville Rocket, but it, I think the Columbus Comets kind of the more accepted. Hey, my uh, mom taught junior sure. high basketball in Rushville. Have we ever talked about that? You know, did she really? My yeah. parents lived there before I was born, as a matter of fact, for a very short period. It was Tony- that blizzard year. She was really happy. She only had to coach four games. <laughs> nice. Blizzard of 78, baby. Uh, we'll continue on the other side here. Grand Park talking about the Colts and, of course, a gorgeous start to August here for Colts camp. You're listening to Kevin and Quarry, 93. 93- 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 5107.5 The Fan. I want to put one bow tie on that last conversation, by the way. Um, I am well aware because, I, you know, I saw both sides of it, of Tony Stewart over the course of his career, the polarization of Tony Stewart as a racer. And... Uh, certainly saw the fiery side of him in dealing with the media. Um, I was never personally like the victim of that, but I certainly saw it, and I know of the different controversies in which he's been involved. But I always go back to this. Several years ago, I was at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway during the month of May, and there was a young kid there with his family, and they were standing there kind of dejectedly, and I'm like, what's going on? And it was a make-a-wish child. And the arrangement, without saying any names, the person that was arranged, it was not a racing person, it was a media person, that was arranged to host the child out at the Speedway, um, there was a breakdown in communication and the family was left there without things following through. And so I got to know, Cameron was his name, thankfully Cameron is is still with us today, but uh, Cameron was like eight years old and had at the time, a brain tumor, and I got to know him a little bit, and his favorite driver was Tony Stewart. And so I, I can't even remember in what channels that I went through to accommodate or or make possible a meeting with Tony Stewart, and Tony Stewart at the time was like, listen, uh, you know, and I don't know Tony Stewart well. I mean, admittedly, I'm not saying that. it was So it was kind of other people that I went through, but the caveat was, he's like, look, I don't want cameras. I don't want media attention. I, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever the kid needs. Kevin, I kid you not, I, I stayed in touch. I mean, I'm still in touch with, with Cameron and his family. But throughout his childhood, until he basically was an adult, uh, he got a package from Tony Stewart every Christmas, hmm. every year. And, it, and they moved, and it didn't matter. I, I, I mean, his mom was like, I don't even know how he still knows how to get in touch with us. But literally every year, different die-cast cars and, and things from Tony Stewart. And Stewart's whole thing was he's like, look, and, and I think those – and I'm not sitting here trying to – because I'm aware of the polarization of Tony Stewart. But I'm telling you, the stories of that, that doesn't offset times where you can be difficult. But the stories of that, I think, are far greater than people would realize. You know, that's uh, kind of similar to what we heard from, about Scott Rowland. Remember that, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that woman who hopped on with us a few weeks ago and shared that story with her son about Scott Rowland and their relationship, very much behind the scenes, not wanting to be put out into the public light. And Scott Rowland into Cooperstown. What was that, about two weeks ago now? Scott yeah. Rowland into Cooperstown. I, I mean, a part of that, too, is probably because it would open the floodgates if, people, if that got out, but still... Um, pretty cool. They're getting the fields ready here at Grand Park. Practice number five for the Indianapolis Colts. And we have fans starting to trickle in to the facility. Um, basically, what we're looking at today is probably the most physical day of camp. A little bit longer. No practice tomorrow. They will practice on Thursday. And then again, Saturday night and Sunday afternoon. So this is by far the busiest week of Colts training camp practice. Jake, I had a feeling that at some point we would get a running back signing for the Colts. And how about this? They're going to bring in a guy that has a whole lot of history from the city of Indianapolis. 
Uh, he was actually with the team a little bit here in the offseason program. I think it was at the local pro day and the rookie minicamp. Um, from the University of Indianapolis, Toriano Clinton has been signed to the 90-man roster. Again, just four running backs healthy for the Colts right now. That would be Deion Jackson, Jake Funk, and then you've got three rookies. I guess if you want to tack Clinton onto that to make it. You know, Rob Kendall five. listens to the show and is going to be livid to know they just signed Clinton. Evan Hull, Xavier Woods, and now Toriano. I think I went to high school with a Chelsea Toriano, Chelsea Clinton. If we want to try and tie it all together here. 43 games at UND. Jake, how about this for your running back average? 7.7 a pop. That's pretty strong. 48 touchdowns, a whole lot of kick return. Uh, history as well. Um, safe to say he put up some big-time numbers. So I remember seeing Clinton at that uh, local pro day and, again, uh, in the rookie minicamp. So a fifth running back uh, now joins uh, – a fifth healthy running back, I should say, joins the – Man, fight. how awesome would it be if he actually got an opportunity and, and put up some numbers? I mean, that would be like a 30-for-30 30 30 level deal, right? If there's any position for it to happen, isn't it there? You're right. No question about that. You are correct. I think in a way, you remember Philip Lindsay for the Colts? Yes. So Philip Lindsay Bronco, right? did that in Denver. He went to, gosh, what would have been the school out there? Maybe Northern Colorado. He went to some school out in the Colorado state, or I guess the Denver area. Everyone describe it, probably more of the state of Colorado. And that's the thing the NFL has tried to do with these local pro days. And for those that are unfamiliar with the local pro day, basically it happens a few weeks before the draft. You have a map drawn. The NFL draws kind of a radius around your city. And then basically you're allowed to invite uh, local college kids, local high school products as they get ready for the draft. And, you know, part of this is given the uh, radius of the Colts and the fact that it's not a very densely populated NFL talent map when you draw around the city of Indianapolis. But the guys from UND, the guys from Marion, the Colts had a Butler whiteout on their 90-man roster for a period here during the offseason. The ability to make an in-person impression on a scouting department or a coaching staff, that is by far the best and easiest chance to try and earn that trust. And honestly, Jake, kind of spinning it forward to Colts training camp right now, we had EJ Speed on the show earlier. I brought up to EJ Speed the name Daryl Baker Jr. He's a cornerback that I think has sparked and has impressed here. And EJ Speed agreed with that and said, honestly, he, he kind of saw that last year when Baker was on the practice squad. What is happening there, Jake, I think could be looked at in a negative light in projecting Juju Brents, the rookie out of Warren Central, for his first season. Today we'll mark practice number five for camp for the Colts, Jake. Assuming Juju Brents does not practice, he's out with a hamstring injury right now. It sounds like his return is supposed to be pretty soon, but let's just say he doesn't practice today. You add the five camp practices onto the 13 team practices the Colts had back in the spring, that would be eight practices that Juju Brents has not been available for. He has not practiced yet in an NFL setting, whereas a guy like Daryl Baker Jr., for example, I think has been out there for virtually all of them, if not all of them. Think about that. I mean, Daryl Baker Jr. gets 18 chances to impress a coaching staff, to earn a coaching staff's trust, whereas Juju Brents, the only thing he can do is speak up in meetings right, right now. So... I know it's kind of a weird way to kind of spin off on that a little bit, but I do think 
in looking at non-rookies, and I know a lot of people here locally know the Brent story from Warren Central and playing at Iowa for a couple seasons and finishing up at Kansas State. He actually had his draft party right here at Birdie's, where you and Shannon were. Did he really? Night. Yeah. Uh, that's where he had his draft party. Uh, a big bummer that he has missed this much time here in his rookie season. By the way, I, I, was, I asked this question on Twitter the other day, Kevin, but, but it's interesting that you mentioned the UND running back. Give me the name of two or three schools that are not schools that you think of as great college football programs that you are always surprised how many players they have in the NFL. Honestly, the first school that comes into my, my head, Jake, is the school, ironically, of a guy that the Colts just cut to make room for Toriana Clinton, and that would be Jamal Woods from, from Illinois. Illinois is at Illinois. We talked about that. Second highest, Alabama and Illinois were the two schools that are the most represented on the Colts roster, if you can believe that, their camp roster. Really? Yes. They had three players, so now it would be two. But um, doesn't it seem like there are always players from Syracuse in the NFL? Syracuse like would all be another the one. NFL? I mean, Jake, Northwestern won one football game last I, year and I had know. four guys drafted. <laughs> no. Boston College is always in that Boston mix. Boston College, yep, yep. Certainly some local fa- flavor with Boston College. There are yeah. probably those outside of this area that say Purdue for that same question. Well, Purdue, the streak. How long was that streak of a Super Nin- Bowl winner? 19 or 20 years, right? that long? Super Bowl participant, I think, wasn't it? Participant. They had a player in the Super Bowl for like – and there was a one-year lapse, and then it it started back up again. I mean, I a rich defensive line history for yeah. Purdue. Did I see Ryan Kerrigan's coaching with Washington? Is that right? I, I know that – I think that's right because I saw him in the news, what, probably three months ago, four months ago, somewhere in there. Uh, we'll continue to update you on where things stand, Anthony Richardson-wise, and practice. So far, nothing from the Colts on his availability for today. Players should start trickling out here onto the practice fields in the next few minutes. Joel A. Erickson from the Star is going to join us at 9.30. Uh, obviously, we'll have a ton to get to with Joel on the saga that, frankly, has been Colts training camp so far. But I think we should probably go with a pop quiz before Sounds good. then. Are you Sounds good with good. that? I'm good with that. Fans okay. are starting to trickle in here, so I'm playing my favorite game of what's the most random jersey. So far, we've got Shaq Leonard, Peyton Manning, and Andrew Locke that have walked through. Did you notice yesterday the Colts put out a, f- a kids cam video, and the kids all chimed in on their favorite player? Shocking. I didn't see any Jonathan Taylor clips from any of the really? kids what was the most common answer um i think you had your leonards your pitmans your nelsons i was gonna say Nelson, richardson yeah. here's a reggie wayne jersey coming this way do you think we get a bloopers reel from the colts on the taylor ones they cut out <laughs> yeah some kid marcus pollard uh by the way the, the reggie wayne jersey's good jimmy oh good jimmy's back yeah, yeah. i can't see him right now uh, 317-239-1070. Let's do the pop quiz, Mark. When we have callers, you let us know on that end. We'll do. And we'll continue to give away a four-pack of tickets to the State Fair as we were out there last Friday for that. By the way, I, I don't know when my um, annual trip to the fair is going to be with Shannon because uh, latest text, she has been selected. Oh. So we're she, doing it? Well, no, hold on. Hold on. Shannon on jury duty today, by the way. We're trying to get her weeded out. Um, but I'm not saying her last name. so that Is she allowed to reveal what the um, case is, or would that be highly, highly Actually, all, all <laughs> she, said, uh, she said, what do you call it? Is it a GIF or a GIF? I go GIF. 
she sent a, a, a gif of a woman looking very uncomfortable, and it just says, my name was called, so now I wait. So I don't know if that means she was selected. I don't know. It sounds awful to me. I think it would be awesome. I, I just want to be in control over my schedule, and I feel like I'm not in control of the schedule there at, at all. I mean, I think it would be fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Yeah, I'm shocked you just don't camp out and just kind of volunteer yourself. <laughs> I would be – can you imagine if I got on jury duty, though, it would be the – literally, they'd be like, the jury has been deliberating for 29 days over a check fraud case. Because I'd want to know, like, now, wait a minute. So let's let's go more into the guy's background. Can we find more out about that? Where exactly was he shopping? Why was he shopping there? Has he been there before? Mark, we got uh, pop quiz callers. Yeah, sorry, I was answering the phone. Yes, we've got full phone lines. Cool. Um, let's go ahead and dive into that. Jake, a number one through whoa, eight is whoa, a giveaway. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold, hold the phone. Have you studied? Do it right here. Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the pop quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. Your car ain't the only thing that's a well-oiled machine after this exact broadcast yeah, today, right? I feel like I was an oxymoron, Mark, saying doing it right with how we operate this show. I, <laughs> I don't know if that's the truest statement I've ever heard. You may proceed, uh, Nonetheless, Kevin. a four-pack of tickets to the State Fair. Again, we'll continue to do that here. To start the month of August, Jake at number one through eight. Uh, good Jimmy's wearing the Reggie Wayne jersey, so we can go seven or eight. We've gone eight before, so we'll go seven. You know he's joining us tomorrow, Reggie Wayne. I thought you oh, meant really? good Jimmy. Yeah. Nine o'clock. Good, good. Jimmy's always here. Uh, nine o'clock tomorrow, I believe. Reggie Wayne going to be giving us a ring. Mark, do we have? Call I'm sorry. What seven? did you say? Seven or eight? What did you decide? Hey, on? hey Mark, we're going to need you to start paying attention. Wait, are we uh, on the seven. air right now? <laughs> Number seven, Dalton. Dalton. How we doing? What's up, Dalton? How we doing? Good. Do you have an Andy Dalton jersey? I do not. I do not. But about, I did grow up watching him. I did grow up watching him. I, I how about Darren him. Dalton? No. No. Okay. B. Dalton Booksellers? Do you ever buy anything at B. Dalton Booksellers? I do not think so. No. Not much. Have been to Dalton, Alabama? So. Dalton, our last question today is going to be, what college did Andy Dalton attend? Do you know the answer? Ooh, I know that. That Andy Dalton attended. I do not. They played. In, they they eliminated Indiana State from the College World Series. They played in the national championship game in football. They're, last they're year. located in the same hometown as EJ Speed. Although played is probably a loose term. Okay. Well, uh, Dalton, we're off to a good start. Dalton, would you like for me? That would be Jacob for Kevin to lead you off with question number one, which will not include asking you about Andy Dalton playing at TCU. <laughs> uh, let's do Kevin. All right, Dalton, let's do it. Uh, which team has the worst record among current Major League Baseball division leaders? Would it be the Reds, the Rangers, the Twinkies, or the Dodgers? I'm going to go with the Dodgers. I always like Joe Maurer. Remember Joe Maurer, Jake? He went with the Dodgers, is that right? Yeah, Joe Maurer, the dual sport. He was like a oh, yeah. play quarterback catcher. of Florida State, catcher for this yeah. franchise. Minneapolis native, right? Dalton, as the mower goes, I didn't hear you say the Dodgers. I thought you said something else. Uh, another guess here for number one. Uh, what were the what were the options again? It was the Reds, Reds, Rangers, Twins, or Dodgers. Prince's Dalton, favorite friends. team. 
My friends Chris and John Love are brothers that love that do love heating and air, and they were born on the same day. Would they uh, be fans uh, of the Reds, twins. Rangers, or Twins? Twins, for sure. Okay. Uh, question number two: Arizona Diamondback rookie That's Corbin like Andy Carroll. Dalton's career going through that one there. <laughs> That's right. Corbin Carroll of the Diamondbacks recorded his 35th career stolen base in the Diamondbacks' win over the Giants last night. He needed just 134 career games to reach the 25 home run. 35 stolen base mark. That's the second fastest number of games for a player since 1900. This is incredibly convoluted. Who needed fewer games to reach 25 home runs and 35 steals? Would it be Mike Trout, Eric Davis, Ricky Henderson, or Ronald Acuna Jr.? Uh... Show's over at 10. Think about a fish. A beat. Dalton? Get your damn act together. <laughs> oh, my God. Dalton, you still there? You serious? Dalton? Mark? Bueller? What, what are we doing here? Is he All gone? Right. I don't know what he's doing. I mean, he's got to be gone. Oh. He's there, I guess. Dalton, Hello? what's your answer? Mike Trout, Eric Davis, Ricky Henderson, or Ronald Acuna Jr.? Eric Davis. Gosh, Jake, I feel like the last two days we've had to be so <laughs> stern with our pop quiz. We are on the struggle bus, I feel Boy. like, the last two days. <laughs> All right, Dalton, look in the mirror. Time to regroup here. This will make you feel old. Happy 45th birthday to the Colts' all-time leading rusher. That would be Edrin James. James rushed for 9,226 yards over seven seasons with the Colts. Who is second to edge on the Colts' all-time rushing list? I would not have gotten this. A, Eric Dickerson. B, Lenny Moore. C, Marshall Falk, D. Lydell Mitchell. We'll go Marshall Falk. Okay. Uh, question number four for you. On this day in 2007, the Minnesota Timberwolves traded Kevin Garnett to the Celtics for five players and two first-round draft picks, the largest NBA trade ever for one player. Which of the following players that I'm about to name were not part of that deal? Al Jefferson, Michael Doliak, Sebastian Telfair, or Gerald Green? I will tell you that it's a guy that played at Utah. Took him to the Final Four. Uh, in 2007. Was it Gerald Green? Al Jefferson, Pacers legend, right, Jake? That's right. Gerald Green, Pacer legend as well. Uh, Gerald, yeah, good call. Gerald Green. Um, okay, moving on. Number five, uh, on this day in 1941 here, Dalton, you know, everyone knows this. Future Hall of Fame pitcher Lefty Gomez of the Yankees set a record that still stands today. Which record did he set? A, the most runs allowed in a no-hitter. B, the most bases on balls allowed in a shutout. C, the most batters hit by pitchers in an, by pitches in an inning. Or D, the most home runs allowed in an inning. Oh, gosh. MLB go with is most not walks. Yeah, go with most walks. Uh, all right, we'll do that. God, mercifully. <laughs> Boy. Yeah, Dalton, congrats on the four-pack. Not sure if we can say congrats on much else besides that here with the effort of the pop quiz. Yeah, Dalton, when you're at the State Fair, if people ask where you got the tickets, don't publicly admit that you just went through that exercise. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota Twins was correct. Mike Trout was the correct answer. It was Lydell Mitchell. 
Michael Doliak was a member of the Utah Utes that took them to the Final Four, and the last one was indeed Most Walks. Keith Van Horn and Michael Doliak? Uh, I think that's, Dol, they were two different teams. Andre Miller? Oh, I, I think, uh, I think uh, Miller was... Were they were they not all on the same team? Utah made a second, like, totally weird run. Van Horn would have been before the 98 team. Doliak was the anchor of the 98 team, right? Isn't that right? I don't know. I, I felt like for some reason all of them were, were, were on that. Andre Miller was a good player. Lost to Kentucky, right, in the national title? Yeah. I kind of... At the last two days of this, if the last two days is pop quiz, I kind of feel like I want to echo what Kevin said the other day on the pop quiz. I need all the drugs in the world to get through tomorrow's (laughs) pop quiz. Preach, Mark, preach. It seems to be better when we're actually in the studio. I'm not sure what has been more of a struggle: the start of Colts training camp or the pop quiz the last two days. Well, I mean, you combine. Here's the thing. Okay, there are three things that are going against the pop quiz here. Number, well, four really. Uh, the first of those being that it's after 9 o'clock, and I check out about 7.45, okay? The second being that you got nine lawnmowers, two air blowers, and a leaf blower walking past us. The third I've been being, cupping my mic to try and yeah. help the audio situation. Uh, the, you look like a coach with the, the guard over I look like Sean McVay. Uh, the, the third thing going against us is that Mark fell asleep this morning about 6.30. He hadn't woken up. Huh? And Did you say my name? What? The fourth being that we've got people that are calling on like some sort of like Nextel phone. You know what I mean? So it, it's been a struggle for sure. Uh, Joel Erickson from the Star is going to join us here in a few. Let's get to our morning check down before we get back into the Colts camp convo. The morning check down. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Speaking of struggle, it sounded like it was that for the U.S. women's national team early this morning, but they do survive in advance. A nil-nil draw with Portugal. Portugal sent one off the post, the right post, in stoppage time. If that would have gone in, the U.S. in all likelihood would have been sent home, but they survived. Jake, the fewest amount of goals, the fewest amount of points they've scored in their nine World Cups. Uh, They are in all likelihood going to play Sweden coming up on Sunday at Gap is closed, 5 right? Uh, Gap is certainly closed worldwide as they try to go for the three-peat, which has never been done before. Okay, now we're on to the Sweet 16. Now we're on to the win or go home, so you get penalty kicks. No more ties, no more of that in the Women's World Cup. Thank you. Uh, not a struggle bus for the Cincinnati Reds, a victory bus, as a matter of fact, last night. 6-5. It was interesting from the Cubs, but the Reds still alone atop the National League Central. Also, speaking of alone atop their division, cute fellow with a win yesterday over Toronto. They now lead the AL East by a game and a half. Mark, you expect any more activity for the Cubbies today before the deadline? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think the Cubs could still be in on somebody, and I think the Reds definitely need to add some pitching. So I yeah, expect both a, teams a, to be uh, be in the market. An Oakland A's reliever is not Oakland A's reliever is not really the headline. I think some Reds fans are looking for a little bit more from a starting pitching standpoint. We'll see if they add, but they are a game and a half up now in the NL Central as Joel Erickson's Brewers lose yesterday to the Nationals, and that makes me happy. <laughs> Well, you can mock him over that next, right? Uh, Yes, he will join us next. Uh, Fever, by the way, they play tonight against Phoenix. Colts practice coming up here in about a half hour. We'll chat with Joel A. Erickson from the star on the other side, live here at Grand Park. All right. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Here we are, Colts training camp, and Joel A. Erickson joins us here. And Joel, is he's brought some gifts. And Mark, uh, this is something that uh, I think you will be a fan of. Again, Joel and I had a friendly wager on the Reds and Brewers series. And by the way, things have turned since then, Joel. Uh, the Reds and Brewers series from last, I guess, was it last week or two weeks ago at this point? Last out of the All-Star break, right? Yeah, last or, week. No, it was, it was, into it was the month. They had another one out of the All-Star break. Yeah. But uh, the Brewers take two of three from the Reds. Uh, Jake, I gave Joel a six-pack of beer. Ha- have you consumed any of the beverages? Yes, it's it's a real good IPA. That Hustle okay. IPA is like it's like a nice, clear, crisp one. It's pretty good. So for the Hustle summer. IPA from Rheingeist. Okay. I felt like the you Cincinnati had to get a beer, right? Yeah. Yep. It's got you know the baseball stitches on the ball. Um, I thought it was a good-looking can, and also I was curious about the taste. So that's good to hear. Now you have brought me something. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the, the bet was, I think. Mark was trying to get us to do like a shirtless uh, yeah, run. Yeah, no, it was, was, it was, I was a little turned off by uh, that. But it was it was whoever's team won. The other one had to wear a shirt. And uh, I, I could make you try to wear this one. This is, oh, wow. This is the sun's out, guns out when it's 90 degrees or higher. Make but sure the camera sees that. That's yeah, a, is that's that an a, extra small? <laughs> this is, this like is a, a medium. This is a medium. But I, I, yeah, I didn't want to. would fit Max for dinner. As I didn't want to do yeah. that to KB. I, I was wearing that the last uh, Brewers-Reds game I was at. Uh, but this this one, we'll we'll just go with the old standard, a little bit bigger, you know. All right, all right. It's, that's it's performance too, so okay. it's not going to like make you too hot. I, I, I am, you know, I think Mark will get on me if I don't. I'm willing to put that on. You're. Wi- I think you <laughs> I'm have to put to. the other one on. You have to. Should I, Jake? <laughs> Jake's seen me shirtless, so this won't be the first no, time. No, no, what's the other one here? What do we got? Let me see. Well, well the other one's just kind of your 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 it's Nike standard. T-shirt. You know, yeah. hold on. Your Nike T-shirt. You know, yeah. nice. But what what size we got on this? Large. Large. And that one's which? No, now that you say that, it looks like an extra small. It says medium. We got a medium. No, you know, I'm gonna, medium. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it on. Yeah, you got to go with the medium. All right. You got, you guys talk about some things. I'm gonna change shirts here. <laughs> see, I'm old enough to that. My favorite brewers were Cecil Cooper and Robin Yount. Oh, see, Yount. When I first started, when my dad first started taking me to games, I'm allowed to take off my shirt with a media credential on. I'm a little. He's gonna <laughs> kick me out. Step right there between the, uh, right around the corner. Uh. Yount was on the very tail end because I'm from way up north in Wisconsin. So we would go to we would go to the Metrodome for Twins Brewers games, and it was like Kirby Puckett when the Twins were really good, and then Yount was in his like late. So 30s. you did? Did you see Winfield play? Uh, oh, no, Winfield was a Blue Jay. I'm sorry, I was thinking Twins. I, I remember those teams because actually of, that, uh, that doesn't. That's, <laughs> <laughs> Landon, can you get the camera back on <laughs> The shirt fills out well. It fills here's, out well. Here, here's what's scary. <laughs> what's scary is you actually look like half the state of Wisconsin. <laughs> oh, my God, Kevin. That's what's what the scary hell? about this. Excluding. Mark, ex- this is all your idea. <laughs> I know. At 70 pounds, and you are the biggest Wisconsinite ever. Rick Venturi is looking horrified uh, behind no. you. Right, coach, I apologize. <laughs> a bet's a bet. You got you, Rick, <laughs> Rick Venturi's come over. Coach, coach I, I'm sorry. Joel and I had a bet. You're, you, you're a big Rays fan. Joel and I had a bet for our Brewers and Reds, and if I lost the bet, I had to wear a shirt of Joel's choice. And this oh, is, and this is, no. this is what he brought in. I, I, I tried oh. to give him a way out, Coach. I did. I, there's, there's 
there's a there's a, a much bigger shirt that but but KB being a good sport he went for the tank top. I mean on 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 the 95 <laughs> degree days that we had the James not with the official <laughs> James Boyd's got an official camera that he's now taking shots. The, ar- of the arms are horrific, oh. man. Like I, have my you my razor rallying. Razor Rally hey, says Rick, Coach Venturi. Rick Venturi and I could make a wager on the Orioles, the cute fella, and the Rays in the East. Uh, Kevin, have you done any sort of like bicep work <laughs> no, at all? No, I'm, ever, I'm, ever? I, I'm too afraid it'll uh, impact my golf swing. You look like you need to put SPF 100 on those guns you got right now, Kev. <laughs> well, guns. That was a nice compliment from go. Mark. Yeah. Mark, I think if you got the HD version of the camera, you would not call them that. But <laughs> that's true. I appreciate that. Well, it, it is the suns out. That's the suns out, guns out, going to games shirt. That's what that's for. That is yes. This is a hundred percent that. Uh, well, Joel, based I, on those arms, the sun ain't been out forever. <laughs> <laughs> Joel, well, I mean, Jake, do you want me to take my shirt off more? I mean, I'm, no, I'm good. Appalled by I'm it. good. I, we're we're fine. We're doing just fine here. Joel A. Erickson is with us here from the Indianapolis Star. Players starting to come out to practice. We'll continue to keep an eye on the availability of one Anthony. Richardson here on this Tuesday, practice day, number five. Joel, I don't even know where to begin on the Jonathan Taylor situation. Um, let's go here. What's next? What, what, what are we waiting for next? I feel like it's potentially Taylor to either speak publicly or come off the pup list. I'm not holding my breath for either of those things to happen in the immediacy at all. What is next? Ultimately, I think, I think you're probably right. I think it's probably him coming off the pup list. Um, if he spoke, it would be kind of strange now because there was a sort of a, a, a thought that they, he wasn't going to speak until he came off the pup list. That's kind of what we were told. And then if he does that, then obviously it's going to be a bigger deal. So I, w- I would assume that he, him coming off the pup list is next unless some team wanted to trade for him. I don't know that that's likely. But it does feel like uh, – the, the hard part of this is I'm sure you felt the same way. There were three times last week that I thought we were, okay, now we're in a holding pattern. And then something happened at 9.30 or 10 mm-hmm. p.m. Yeah. And, and it, it went to a different place than I thought it was going to go. So I, I'm, I'm right now trying to figure out what's, what's the weird thing that can happen that doesn't make sense to you or me in terms of what could happen next. Okay, so the question then becomes um, – you know, when I watched Taylor walk around yesterday, maybe it's power of suggestion in one's mind. He did look a little bit hobbled, I thought. Is the non-football injury list still in play, or are there too many, like, technical hoops that, that would have to go through on that? I, I saw a suggestion from Ian Rappaport, and I, I admit to not – I keep saying the NFL needs to give us a, a, a page where we can just look this stuff up. But – I saw him make the suggestion that they had to put him on NFI at the beginning of camp. And I'm not entirely sure if that's true, if you can just slide somebody from the pup to the NFI once you've already done it. Um, Seems difficult. Yeah. Seems a lot of lawyers involved. So, and that's, that's the other piece of this is I don't know, after what happened the other night where you've got the suggestion of NFI and then Taylor denying that he has a back injury, uh, where you go from there is something that you just don't see in the NFL very often. I, I don't know what's I don't know what's next for that. Is it a grievance? Is it the NFLPA? Like, wh- like you said, lawyers is what is what would. Well, if I'm Jonathan involved. Taylor, the second that I realize that a back injury might possibly put me on a list that costs me paychecks, I'm also then denying that I have a back injury, right? Right, but. If you did it after you've already reported that injury to the Colts, they but would, in theory, have documentation, but, right? But correct. But, again, I go back to – I'm going to be this simple with it, Joel. Is it possible 
that Jonathan Taylor reported and said, hey, just so you guys know, like, man, I was working out. I, I did something to my back, and I want to get it looked at because I, I felt like a tension. It, it still hurts. Then they do the MRI on it. Then, and they say, like, oh, you have an inflammation or whatever it might be. Then he comes out and says, like, you know, hey, look, I want to be traded. This, this brouhaha swells up. And the Colts say, oh, you know what? Actually, you now might qualify for the non-football injury list. And guess what? You wouldn't get paid if you go on that. And then Jonathan Taylor goes, oh, man, I never should have said anything. I I mean, I know that sounds like overly simplified, but isn't that possible? It's possible. I just don't know why you would publicly then say I never had a back injury. Because, Because you know... If Jonathan Taylor doesn't have a back injury, Joel, there's no way they can put him on non-football injury list. Right, right. And that costs him money. So if you're Jonathan Taylor, the second that you find out that a back injury might actually put you on a list that costs you money, then immediately you're saying, I never said that. Man, that's a, if, that's what's, if that's what's going on, that's just such a, that's such a risky play. I, I, I assume that NFL medical staffs have to have everything documented, especially with the PAA and everything that goes in there. So if he, if he suggested it, I, I could be wrong. I, I don't. We don't actually get a big window into how those medical things work. Um, but I, my assumption would be that if you publicly say I never had one, and they have documentation, then it's it would it, it would be a pretty risky play on my part. But I, I don't know. I your your scenario is plausible. I just it would be hard. It would be hard for I'm having trouble wrapping my my head around if I was in this situation saying like knowing I just did it well like the other side four of it days be, ago and then okay the other side of it. it would be this then what motivation do the Colts have to make that up so so we've presented that Jonathan Taylor might have incentive to backtrack what incentive do the Colts have to, to make that up to threaten the no pay just to, just to have the threat out but there but if there's no documentation because I because there's also the piece of, of the the report that went we're possibly going to put him in on FI. What, contemplating, the, I think it was the word. Yeah, why, why, like, why are you, why contemplating? Why not just do it? You know, like, what was the possible of it? It felt like, if, to me, it felt like a threat in the moment. Yeah, right. Uh, again, Joel Erickson's with us here from the start. Do you want me to wash this, Joel? <laughs> Already, yes. I can tell you right now, yes. Yeah. I appreciate James Boyd tweeting out a picture of you, Kev. By the way, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's such a quality out. photo that James the has. Are, well, a James has that big camera. I know that thing is the demise of me. <laughs> you, I feel you, like I'm back in like I'm back in college at the bars trying to avoid my friends. You, you know what? Rick, um, you know what Rick Venturi said when he turned around the corner and saw you in that tank top. <laughs> oh, oh, my into the end zone for a <laughs> oh, that's so good. That is the parting of C, uh, J- uh, Joel, with, on the Jalen Hurts touchdown. That was okay. Rick Venturi's reaction okay. to Jalen Hurts uh, waltzing into the end zone back there in that November game this with is, the Eagles. This is after my son uh, tried to scare you or something yesterday. I know. He did. He frightened me. I know. In, in, in the media center. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, it gave me a good laugh. Um Back in June, Jonathan Taylor was frustrated. So before any supposed back issue, he was frustrated in June. And I'm trying to make sense of what has changed in the Colts' mindset. They drafted Jonathan Taylor in round two of the 2020 draft. He is on the side of their stadium. Mm -hmm. Jim Irsay was on the Zoom call the night, day two of that NFL draft, telling Chris Ballard, you love this guy, you trade up for him. He was encouraging his GM to do that. Now here we are three years later. So what has changed in the Colts' thought process in regards to a running back, in regards to a run game? Go ahead and give me your answer, but I'll also throw out there, 
where does Shane Steichen play a role in all this? So uh, I was going to actually go in that direction because back in March when we were at the owners' meetings, um, one of the interesting things was, and one of the reasons that I thought that Taylor would get extended was that in our sit down with Jim Irsay, he mentioned Jonathan Taylor being special several times in that in that talk, and how getting him back to healthy was so critical for this season going forward. Like you know, essentially saying, this is our offensive guy to go with. Um, and and I, I do wonder with, with Shane Steichen, because Chris Ballard did say last week, you know, we want to get through this season and see what the coaches think of these guys. Now, that maybe we're extrapolating. Ursay kind of said the same thing the other night, too, a little bit of, like, do the coaches want to see something? It's one of those things where, like, it does feel like there's been a shift, and the shift is either we're – they kind of said we're rebuilding without saying they're rebuilding, too. Like, that was a big part of what Ursay was saying the other day, was he was like, we've got to see where Anthony is. We, like, if you're gauging where you are with a rookie quarterback and not filling certain positions, it's, it's if you're not rebuilding, you're rebuilding yeah, adjacent. Uh-huh. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. And so that, I think that's part of it, is not feeling like they're they're necessarily 100% in the mix, regardless of what they've of what Ursay said about division titles. And then I think the other thing is, I, 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 wa- I have wondered, too, the same thing you're wondering. Like, what role does Steichen play in this? Why did both of them say, we've got to let the coaching staff see what we've got here? When, like, I mean, I know coaches say that all the time, but you have three years of film. Like, and those guys know how to watch it better than we do. I, th- I think they know what they've got in Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Jim Bob Cooter, when he first got here and did his introductory press conference, was talking about he really wanted to work with a guy like this and see what it could be like when you have an elite back. Like, that sounds like a guy who knows what he's got there. There's there's some some question marks I have there, like, especially with knowing that Frank Reich's rushing offense was super diverse. Like, they've seen Taylor do a lot of things. And in addition to that, you know, Steichen, we'll get into this in a second. You got time to stick around, Joel? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, what Shane Steichen might see in terms of Do I need sunscreen, Taylor, Brett? Is Taylor needed for Richardson? Richardson needed for Taylor? Brett, we'll a weight room that. aficionado, Brett Bensley from Fox 59, just made the guns motion to me like I've got them. No. no. Did he not? No. I mean, he might have, but. Thank you. No. That's not at all not at all what he was meaning by I'm going to hit the bench press here during the break. We'll be back with Joel A. Erickson to round out the show here. Kevin Aquari live at Grand Park. Okay, Joel A. Erickson from the store. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Is our guest. He is sitting right here. We have yet to see Anthony Richardson as quarterbacks have worked their way out onto the field. Question for you, Joel, is this. When you look at Shane Steichen's offense, what he did in Philadelphia... Kevin has asked this a lot. I think it's a great question. As the Jonathan Taylor saga continues to brew, is there any chance that Shane Steichen has influence of that of saying, look, in terms of developing Anthony Richardson, I think we can do running back by committee. We don't need a stellar five-star guy behind him. I I think it's possible. I mean, that's kind of where the NFL's gone. I, I don't know that I would agree that the guys they have behind them right now constitute a, the kind of committee that makes up for it. Especially know? after yesterday, right? Especially after Zach Moss breaks his arm. Now, it, you know, four to six weeks, you know, he could in theory be back for the season opener. But, like, Miles Sanders, who they had last year, 
I mean, I wouldn't put him on Taylor's level, but that's a good back. That's a good running back. Zach Moss is, is a guy who, I, I, albeit he did play well down the stretch for the Colts last year, but he spent three years in Buffalo unable to, to get the starting job. He doesn't really have the top-end speed, the explosiveness that, I mean, Steichen hasn't really tried to give us a whole lot on what he wants out of the offense, but I know he wants explosive plays. And when he talked about like what a running back could give you, a couple months ago, he was saying uh, a good running back gives you explosive plays when you don't have any. And I would I would say, assuming that if your Richardson is starting, you're not going to get quite as many explosives in the passing game as Jalen Hurts did because, number one, you don't have A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Number two, you have a rookie quarterback instead of a guy in his third year of NFL development. That one of the way to make up for some of those explosives would be to have the elite running back who can turn any carry into something. Zach Moss ran a 4 6 5 40. He's, he's more of a bowling ball kind of workhorse type than he is the guy who's going to run away from people. Again, uh, players starting to, uh, really a ton of players now out to practice. I don't know, so they set off a big cannon yeah, here. Yeah, I don't it's know what that is. Get practice going. Uh, Gardner Minshew and Sam Ellinger, the two quarterbacks I see so far, unless my eyes are missing, Anthony Richardson have not seen him out to practice. The update from Shane Steichen yesterday was... The glare of your forearms is probably blinding you. <laughs> I know, Shane uh, just made eye contact over here. Yeah, I think he gave me a little head nod there. I think he was impressed by the guns as well. Um, bowling ball, they could call me that. You know, Joel, if they, if they need something to fill in for Zach Moss. Uh, but the update yesterday was they were hoping for today, the return for Richardson, but worst case scenario would be Thursday. Again, no practice for the Colts coming up tomorrow. Getting back to the Taylor conversation. Walking away Saturday night from Jim Mercy over here, about 30 yards from us, I thought to myself, if both sides are as dug in as they are and you're not going to pay Taylor potentially anytime soon, don't you have to try and extend Michael Pittman right now? Uh, that's a good question. I, Cause, I would cause think so. Because the fear there, Joel, is all of a sudden, let's say Pittman has a great year, mm-hmm. and now he really wants to test the market. Or if you know he has a – do I see Richardson out there? Looks like he is out there. Richardson, yeah, out helmet there. on. Um, looks like he will be giving it a go today. Um, let's say you know whatever things go great or things go horrible and you know he doesn't like you know whatever how anthony richardson's throwing the football i just don't think you can get to next you know april joel and all of a sudden you're looking at a depth chart that is alec pierce josh downs mo alley cox jelani woods and Deion jackson as your skill players around richardson that is a thought that i had of like okay taylor looks to be done and maybe i'm you know too aggressive that statement but don't you got to move quickly with Pittman? I, I think if you can, I think you want to. I, I think the question is kind of going back to what you said at the beginning. It, does Michael Pittman want to move now? When if he has a big season, like that's that's a position where he knows what he's what he can get paid, and he knows that the ceiling might explode on him before he gets there. You know, I mean, Christian Kirk got the deal he got from Jacksonville, and if you look at the numbers of what they'd done prior to their previously in their careers, Michael Pittman has been more productive in his career so far than Kirk has, which we can debate like, you know, skills and talents and going deep and all that stuff, but that's how contracts get done is the numbers in front of them. So like from a Pittman standpoint, it's it's maybe the same thing. Maybe he's sitting there and thinking, if I have a big year here, I might really get into the big money. And you know, Kirk actually turned out at the time I remember people rolled their eyes at that. And it's a good deal for them. Deal, yeah. By, yeah. Well, by the time it was said and done, it was pretty. He had his biggest player. year there last year. And, and I've said this endlessly about what Jacksonville did last year. Whether it was Zay Jones, whether it was Evan Ingram, whether it was Christian Kirk, for three months the NFL world ridiculed them for overpaying. But 
I am such a proponent of when you have these young quarterbacks, these are the fragile moments of their NFL careers. This is where you have to get them right. Because if you don't get them right now, you are never going to get them right. And I think that's what Jacksonville looked at. Doug Peterson and them came in and said, all right, last year was an absolute disaster on and off the field for our quarterback. We've got to get him right here. Dave Calabro just totally invading my space by taking a picture here. Beautiful arms. Absolutely beautiful arms. I just had to see it in person. Thank you, Dave, for that. Beautiful arms is how Dave Calabro, a man of just elite physique and, and looks. Jake, I think, is a little jealous of the old yeah. gun, gun show here. Okay. Sure. That's it. Are you heading to work out after the show? I'm, f- I'm almost 51 years old, Kevin. <laughs> I, I I'm, did. Just, I'm just happy that I can, you know what I mean? That, that I'm I was going to gonna point out that K- KB said he was going to do bench press after this. That that's doesn't help the guns, actually. That's more of a, a back and chest no, thing. That is correct. <laughs> that it's going to help you, the guns. Head of the cult strength staff here. <laughs> Joel Erickson. Uh, Joel, what else are we watching for? I, I do think we're kind of reaching a point with Juju Brents. It's like, it'd be pretty good to get on the field. I mean, we're oh. talking five now practices. We'll see if he practices today, but there's some other corners that I think have started to entrench themselves. The, the cornerback situation with, with Rush also being down, uh, we've seen a little bit from Daryl Baker. Uh, he made two nice plays yesterday, but I keep going back to the one-on-one session that we saw, the only one-on-one that we've seen from them against the receivers. The, the receivers should should win a lot of routes in that, but I had the receivers winning 18 of them, 18 of the 23, and three of those were misfires from the, by the quarterback, incomplete. There was only two PBUs in it, and I, I kind of feel you being pass breakup. Okay, uh, and there were only so there were only like a couple of plays there, and it was Kenny Moore and Jalen Jones were the two corners who were pretty competitive in that in that drill i keep thinking the longer this goes and it's it's a hamstring for brents those tend to linger the longer this goes like not only is it tougher for brents to get on the field but the more worried i am about the quotes cornerback situation going forward i mean and that's an area joel as i've said a million times my my, my patented line Cell phone chargers and sunglasses. That's offensive linemen and cornerbacks. You can never have too many. Never. Well, yeah. Especially in today's NFL. And, and this pass rush that they've built, they they've kind of feel like they've gotten you know a fairly deep pass rush. They've got a lot of guys who they think can maybe do something this year. They're not going to do anything if the cornerbacks can't cover right away. You know, they, like the whole rush and cover thing, rush is supposed to affect the cover, but cover is also supposed to affect the rush in terms of if, if there's a, a place for the guy to throw right away, rush can't get home. Some members of the nat- some members of the national media here, kind of looking at me with this. This has not been my fondest moment here. <laughs> I'm sure they're highly impressed. I do think that guy right there, number 23 in white, has had a nice camp. That would be Kenny Moore. Yeah, Kenny Moore's been great. Yeah. Kenny Moore has looked um, kind of like we expect him to look in terms of he's got his hand he's had his hands on the ball a lot. Um, I-, I keep joking that hopefully Shane Steichen is just running stuff. Because the dumbest play I've ever seen anybody run is a, a bubble screen to Kenny Moore's side. No, oh, we've seen immediately blow up. <laughs> immediate, immediate blow up. Joel, thanks for the shirt. Yeah. I will get it back to you after a couple <laughs> washes. <laughs> uh, tomorrow we'll be back in studio. Reggie Wayne is yep. going to. Do you have any Purell detergent? <laughs> join us. Uh, looking forward to that conversation with the Colts wideouts coach. If you missed it earlier, EJ Speed and Tony Stewart with us, and along with Joel A. Erickson, that will be on the best of 107.5 The fan as all of your Colts coverage. Again, we'll be back up here on Thursday. Everybody have a great Tuesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.